0: The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning, gardeners. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us this morning on this nice spring day that's almost going to be summer day. Hey, did you get all that cookie out of your mouth. Oh gosh, you just told on me so bad. <laughs> yeah, I love
2: it. Good morning, Miss Feta. Good morning, Mr. Jim. Howdy. And nice, like you said, almost summer day, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, what yesterday, yeah, love yesterday,
1: it. Yesterday, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this weather, so let's just cruise through this until you know, July maybe.
2: Yeah, I asked Jim, the weatherman, this morning, but Jim over here to mm-hmm. the left on me. I said, Jim, what's the weather today? He said, Kenya's going to be pretty nice, you know, almost 80 degrees during the day and little rain tonight, which mm-hmm. I don't care about. Yeah. Uh, don't care if it rains at night. And then, uh, what, in the 60s tomorrow? Yeah, I think low 60s
0: tomorrow if we're lucky.
2: But no frost, right?
0: No frost. <laughs> we'll have temperatures, I think, probably 48 or so, 45 wow. maybe in outlying areas, but... Nothing to be concerned. Would
2: about. that not be the cruelest joke mother nature mm-hmm. could ever play on us. Right. You know we you know we always watch the weather the you know the one week forecast even the two week forecast which means absolutely nothing in my That's opinion, right. right? Right. And then all of a sudden here it is what today is the 15th or mm-hmm. I think it is yeah, the, 15th, the 15th, you know, which is yeah. the frost date. Yeah. And it frosts tonight, know. you know. It and don't think been. it hasn't happened right. before because it, it has, but no, we're we're good. We're in the clear. Yeah.
1: But it's like toying with the houseplants. Yeah, Just a little bit. With the, you know, with the 40, cooler temperatures yeah. coming
2: in, the high tomorrow, would you say, Jim, in the 40s, 60s? You no, know, high tomorrow,
0: yeah, low 60s, 60, 62 or so. Still
1: kind of chilly like, compared yeah. to what it has been. But, but I do like it. I still like that that
2: drop in coolness. You know, and we've always said this. I was talking to a lady yesterday, I was loading the car for it, and she was uh, making the comment how beautiful the weather was. And, you know, the old comment is, well, if the weather stayed like this, we couldn't afford to live here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, California <laughs> right. weather. So, you know, I guess we're blessed with some 100 degree temperatures in the summertime.
1: I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think. Not I sure wonder
2: blessed if, is the right word. Well, Jimmy, <laughs> we can afford to live here, yeah. the housing.
1: Right. I wonder if um, garden centers in California or Florida even, have a intense spring because it's almost the same. It's like spring every, yeah, yeah. It's
2: spring every day, right? Right.
1: Uh, so I've always wondered that. I'll have to go ask them at a garden center one time because every time I go to Florida, no matter what month it's in, it's the same.
2: And I tell you what, though, and I tell you what's the same, I and mean, we've been talking about this for two months, is, you know, all the damage that was done back in that flash freeze, you know, before Christmas, and you know I'm, I'm it's still a mixed bag I'm seeing the you know uh we might have talked about this even last weekend finally some sweet olives that are starting to sprout from the very bottom
1: yeah
2: and I thought they were completely dead so a lot of people are cutting those back almost ground level some of the hollies that were just decimated you know uh, I've heard a lot of reports this week that they're seeing a little new
0: growth uh yeah, was, I posted some pictures of my oak leaf it's it's beginning to kick out. Thank so. goodness. Yeah. You
2: know, but I mean, and, and for people that were patient and had already dug all this stuff, mm-hmm. up, you know, I think for the most part and I, most part, okay. I think a lot of this stuff is going to kind of make its way back out.
1: I haven't seen any reports on the viburnum as of yet. No one's mentioning. I think there's less viburnum planted than some of the other most popular mm-hmm. things that everyone's discussing. But I haven't seen any um, body discussing the viburnum coming out. And I, I see some in various areas, but I'm never close enough yeah. to see if there's little bits coming out. But it looks gone, gone. And, and,
2: and there are going to be some plants out there that aren't going to come back, you know. And then yesterday was the first day that I've heard anybody tell me that they saw <clears throat> some new growth coming out on some clearas, mm. you know. Because there again, I haven't seen any growth on, on a, most of these clearas that I've seen. Is it
1: stored energy, I wonder?
2: Well, Probably not, because Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, most of this stuff, a lot of this stuff is coming back from the bottom, from the root stock. I mean, the the sweet olives, for example. I mean, they're going to need to be cut down, you know, eight inches off the ground. Uh, And, you know, the root system is still alive, so they are pushing back out. And I was actually at a lady's house this week, and she's got like seven of them up against a garage wall. And she was like, I really don't want to have to replace all Mm -hmm. of these. And they were already six foot tall. They were beautiful, okay? And she's like, I'm just going to cut these things or have somebody cut them just way back and just let them grow back. Mm -hmm. You know, so she's going to be patient. Now, I understand there are some circumstances where, you know, we don't have the luxury of waiting for something to grow back six foot tall to hide whatever we're trying to hide. I get that. But like I said, the good thing overall is a lot of this stuff that looked completely dead a month ago. Uh, We are starting to see some growth, if nothing but the bottom, okay? And I still think that's a good sign.
0: I uh, cut all of my Was You know, most of them were 12, 15 feet tall. Mm. Cut them all down, even with the ground. Uh, I did find some green in the trunk up a foot or two above the ground, Mm -hmm. but I thought to get the best shape back out of them and and just hope that the rest of them are going to come out. Right, that was some
1: that i was gonna wanted to discuss about is if we do cut it straight to the ground versus leaving like three inches six inches above what is going to be your best shape and i'm feeling like you said cutting it to the ground so you'll get a better shape coming out because if you leave a stub then it's going to just flush off of that yeah yeah Yeah.
0: i think if you're smart enough when you cut that stub to as it sprouts remove most of those little shoots and just yeah. leave one or two same way with a crape myrtle if you absolutely have to murder it mm-hmm. if you remove most of those sprouts that come off you won't get that appearance yeah uh, that's oh, just gotcha. ugly yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: right yeah that's a just of ugly so. mm-hmm. yeah, but, so uh, but I, I think jim
2: that. has got some wishful mm-hmm. thinking over here he cut his back almost to ground level talking about some of his asanquia comedias that yeah. look dead i think it's just a matter of time for he has to get out there with the shovel Mm-hmm. And I think it was just postponing that part of it. Yeah. Well, yeah they're is they're flush
0: g- for the ground, so there's going to be no shovel. <laughs> and
1: they'll just stay like that. <laughs> you know, I
0: have told you, when you know, don't pull up your annuals. Well, <laughs> I feel the same way about <laughs> this as ankles. Let them become organic matter. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: kidding. When I was out working in the yard, um, there's like, bits. they've been there for a long time, like 12 camellias that are 8 feet tall. And I didn't get to check them all. And, but one of them, I scratched trunks, all trunks, except for the center one was still green, but I Mm -hmm. haven't, so I I haven't done any pruning because it was like the end of the weekend. And um, so I've been thinking about this all week, like, am I going to prune all the dead off and leave that one green stalk? Well, yeah, probably so. Cut that green stalk in half. And then I was back to the shape. What's the shape going to look like? Some of these things you might have to work along with it to prune this off. You know, leave, like you said, leave one good strong central leader and take all the little babies off.
2: You know, and and I guess, you know, we've been preaching this, you know, since this happened. I guess we still need to be a little patient. I really think by mid-May we're going to know exactly what we need to do, honestly, another month Mm -hmm. from now. And I was talking to an arborist the other day, and I was asking him about the cryptomerias. Because I still haven't. I mean,
0: you might see a few green needles. Yeah, I looked right. closely at one at the botanic garden yesterday. Um, and it's 15, 18 feet tall. Yeah, zero green. Yeah. Any, anywhere on it, I scraped everything except for the trunk. Yeah, uh, and couldn't find any green wood whatsoever. Well, unfortunately, this arborist
2: said that. Yeah, he doesn't have any faith that these things are coming back whatsoever. Yeah. And he said, "No, that doesn't mean that there will be some hiccups, oh, and yeah, we'll get a few we'll. that will come back." He said, "But overall, these beautiful cryptomerias that look like toast, uh, for the most part, guys, you know, get, the, chain, toast. Yeah, I was gonna get say, the chainsaw yeah, ready." Toast. Because, but there again, I mean, we'll we'll know for sure on most of this stuff in about another thirty.
1: Yeah, days. because the green that's coming back isn't going to be near enough to make it have a good shape anymore. Right. It's just kind of, y'all just do it. I've seen a few arborvitaes, but that, that, um, have died, but that, (laughs) I believe is more from a pre-stress. Yeah. Because arborvitaes, you know, 99% of them are beautiful and fine. Yeah. The winter
2: didn't, that cold, uh, you know, flash freeze doesn't, didn't kill Mm arborvitaes. You're exactly right. But I keep hoping and hoping, my fingers crossed, hoping that some of the cryptomerias will come back in a selfish way. My neighbor has got three of them on her side of the fence in my backyard. And that's really what blocks me from Mm -hmm. them is the cryptomeria that are over there. And they are just really brown. Oh, man,
1: it's depressing. That's the most depressing part out of the whole thing is all the cryptomerias, because it looks like the hollies are flushing. But we're going to run to a break really quick. You're listening to KWAM. And give us a call, nine zero one (laughs) two six zero five nine two six. 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us. You can listen to our podcast if you missed some of the show or just want to listen again to uh, rehear what you just did. Did I just hear that? Uh, you can also stream us online. At, uh, download our app, Mighty990.com. And um, if you can't get us on FM, you can go to AM. It's 107.9 FM, 990 AM
0: all right and then you can reach us anytime during the week on our facebook group at south gardening gardening in usda zone six seven and eight
1: I had some fun questions on there this week we did i enjoyed them there was a question i was gonna go over getting
0: some from like new mexico and uh, yeah so yeah had to see a varied
1: i know that's what it was audience it's, to some of them i'm like where, I wonder where they, they live because it was so varied, all the questions, and mm-hmm. I could tell we weren't just in the Mid South all of a sudden. And like you said, it's really interesting to, to listen to what other people are going through too in gardening. So, anyway, what we're going through in gardening is it's annual time,
2: it's springtime. I mean, we sowed probably more annuals yesterday than we've sowed all of last year. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And and I know Jim, you mentioned you were at all three of the uh, the plant, the plant sales yesterday, and I really yeah. think having the plant sales, all of the people on the same day, the Dixon, mm-hmm. the Botanic Garden, uh, Lichterman, it,
0: it really gets people out.
1: Yeah, I would you know? be wore out if I went to all three of those in one day.
0: Carol went with me, and uh, she is she. We just it's a lot of walking. You yeah, know? but it was uh, it it was really good, really good. Yeah, yeah you th-
1: don't know you're tired. When you're yeah. in in amongst all this wonderful plants and the energy and everything it gives you and then when you get home, like same with working in your garden, you didn't know you were tired and all of a sudden you're like, Boy, I just did too much. I was having too much fun. Yeah, but it
2: is a feel good feeling, like you said. I mean and to me it's kinda of really the kick off of spring. Officially, like I said, you know, April fifteenth is the frost date. So, I mean, we're good to go. Now, You know, it might be a little early just yet to maybe put some caladium bulbs in the ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything else, you know, people typically are getting it done. Annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, the whole bit. Uh,
1: Uh, A lot of people liking the sun patients yesterday.
2: You know, I was thinking about that driving in. Mm -hmm. You know, and last year we talked about, you know, the difference between uh, sun patients and New Guinean patients. And they're very similar. Of course, you know, forever in a day, it was just our old-fashioned impatience that we planted in the shade, right? And then came the New Guineas, which had a bigger leaf, a bigger bloom, uh, really nice-looking impatience. and they could actually take a good bit more sun. And then came a hybrid of the New Guinea, the sun patients, mm-hmm. and basically looked like a New Guinea, but they can take all, all sun.
1: yeah full day sun and
2: i mean and, and they're absolutely beautiful when it you know they come in the uh, same colors you know the whites the oranges the the pinks the purples mm-hmm. uh and i tell you what it, it's just one of the favorite plants now as far as annual bedding plants for people to put in borders to put in beds even to put in containers uh they you may i mean you hit it you just can't go wrong with those impatience wow.
1: and you know they're a lot of people like to pick them because they can grow in sun and shade. So if you have a house where this part's sun, this part's shade, they'll perform differently somewhat. But what I see is when they plant the ones in the shade, it seems like they're they're doing their watering based on the ones in the shade and the ones in the sun. Don't grow as, as full or at bloom as well because they're not watering for the sun. They're just watering for the shade. So a lot of times you have to water differently.
2: Oh, there's no doubt I about mean, it. I mean, you
1: may have to give the ones in the sun twice the amount of the water than the ones in the shade.
2: You know, when people put in irrigation systems, they put in all these different zones. Mm-hmm. What well, do you know on that timer? You know why you can change the timing on all those zones, right? Because everything has different watering needs. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, that's going to be the big thing. And it always is the big thing around here, especially when it starts to get hot. You know, too much water, not enough water. What kind of soil do I have? I mean, what kind of plant? I mean, it's just so many different factors involved. But I always tell people, you know, A, you can't let anything completely dry out. If you do, the thing's going to die, right? But at the same time, we all love to get out there with that water hose for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just, it just it, it, It's a pastime, I guess. And just keep things way too wet. And, of course, we'll be talking about this probably every month for the next, you know, eight months. Too much water is just as bad as not enough water. And I promise you, and we say this all the time, people are getting their irrigation systems cut back on now, right? Is don't leave it up to the irrigation guy to set everything up exactly the way it should be. Because a lot of that depends on the plants that are in those zones. Right. So when this irrigation system starts coming on, you better make your rounds out there and check the moisture levels and see, hey, am I getting enough water from this zone or am I getting way too much water from this zone?
1: I remember being out of retail for, I think it was eight years. Was it that long? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, about eight years being out of retail. Doing your landscaping. landscaping, yeah. When I was... Deciding to go back into retail, what kept making me want to say no is trying to keep everything watered in mm-hmm. the garden centers and the water hoses, pulling the water hoses around. I really, it, because I mean, we've got plants in two inch pots all the way up to, you know, 30 gallon and those little two. And it's hard teaching somebody mm-hmm. how, because even if you're going to water mm-hmm. those little pots, you have to water really, really slow. And then this, this one, you have to. So I was just like, I don't want to deal with all the watering again. But then when you get out there and all the flowers and plants are doing their thing, then, you know, it's not horrible.
2: Yeah. And, you know, to me, the turnover rate on plants at garden centers is is pretty fast this time of year. You know, you order stuff, you put it out there and it's gone really the next day, Um, which is different from having plants in your beds on your property or in plants in your containers on your property. You know, those plants are there to stay, right? Mm Right the rest of the growing season and is yeah i mean of course people at the garden centers have to keep thinking you know things looking pristine and one way to do that is is the proper watering no doubt about it but it's even more important when the homeowner gets these plants home and they get them planted you know Mm -hmm. that's when either things really start to shine or things start to go downhill and like you said veda a lot of that actually starts with the watering so I know it's a little early. It's not 100 degrees out there yet. We'll get there, I promise you. But watering is a really big deal. And we preach this all the time. You know, around here, and Jim loves our clay soil. And Mm. and I understand why, and I get it. And And he's even told me why clay is good. But clay can hold a good bit of moisture. So that's why we're constantly, seems like, you know, amending our soils, especially in our beds. But, Betty, you always talk about when it comes to containers, you better use a pretty decent soil that... Holds a little moisture, but at the same time drains, you know, does that make any sense? I know a lot of people say, well, how does that happen? And it's just the the texture and the mixture of the soil you get. But we see people a lot of times they'll get a bag of garden soil or they'll get like a bag of topsoil and they'll use that as their potting soil. And I'm telling you right now, that is not a smart idea whatsoever. You do need potting soil for containers. It, it just it makes all the difference in the world and the blend the the type of soil that they're using. Don't get the cheap topsoil. I don't mind to use that as an amendment and don't get the garden soil to put in a container.
1: You know, it gets difficult sometimes with. If you get a really good soil that holds moisture for a, a while but drains good, you really can't use it in a hanging basket because that makes it too heavy. Even maybe I don't your care. I'm going. To, I can.
2: I'm going to use it in a hanging basket oh, and water if I have to every day. Right. I'd rather have good drainage than heavy soil.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. So I'm not going to use that heavy soil in my hanging basket. Right. I'm, You know, loosen, add some bark mulch to it, some soil conditioner to it, make it a little bit lighter. Or for us, since we have an indoor mix, I'm using the uh, outdoor mix, using it as a container hanging basket so it's light, still drains. You are going to have to water a little more, like you were saying, but you can't... You just can't find a, a shepherd's hook that'll hold up that hanging <laughs> basket with that heavy soil.
2: You, you in see it. these heavy-duty shepherd hooks, and they're bending one yeah, way. You know, right. if something's not right, I'm telling. You, when you're just hanging a basket on it,
1: right? But, or you hear it something flop on the front porch, and it pulled it out of the porch pole.
2: And I know we talk about this, but if you've got a container, and Jim, you've told me this many times before, like a bigger pot, and it's mm-hmm. got the potting soil in there that you've used, you know, for the last five years. That's okay, that's fine, especially if you're just replacing annuals every year. But we do say go in there, take half of that soil out, re-fluff that soil with some brand new potting soil. Uh, And you don't want to just use the same old tired soil year after year after year that you have in a container without what they call re-fluffing it. Uh, It just makes a big difference if you can get in there every year, not saying you got to empty all of it out, but you got to get some of that out of there and put some new in and work it in really good.
1: Yeah, I, sp- I did that this week on the patio, fl- went through it, got all the stuff out of it, had a sh- half of the soils out because you pull it out with the mm-hmm. roots and all, shake it all off, then took a shovel, worked it up, and then dumped bags of good potting soil exactly. in with it and turned it, it in again and turned yep. it again. And do you think I have any plants in them yet?
2: Not yet, but that's okay. You got that soil ready to yeah, go, though. Yeah, so,
1: and it's always easier. Sometimes you have to garden in phases and like I, it seems if you go and get everything prepped, your bed prepped, your pots prepped, and all of that, by the time you do all that, you're tired at the end of the day. But if you've got your plant, your soil already prepped, then you can grab your plants quickly, plant them, easy. and there you're done. Then yeah, it's easy. That's right. It makes it
2: makes it fun that way.
1: I'm thinking I'm going to do the containers on the patio differently this year mm. instead of because I started yesterday to pick some things out, but. I was trying to match and put this and that and the height and everything, you know, how you do it. And I was like, no, this space right here is limited. And I want to see so many different varieties of plants. I'm going to only pick, well, which was getting hard too, what I like. Is so that what I just see that looks good immediately? I'm going to snatch it. So even if I have 10 colors in one pot, or I'm not going to go filler, thriller, spiller. I'm just going to grab what I like, put it in there, and see what happens. She's doing
2: the kaleidoscope of planting is what she's doing. Or like I'm it.
0: tired already.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, we're ready for you to get happy. We'll be right back. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening.
2: If you want to give us a call this morning, it's really easy. Miss Vader and Mr. Jim, 260 5926 5926 And of course, you can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and see us right there. We'll wave at you, you and I'm, say, hey.
1: I'm looking at the Mid-South Gardening Facebook page that Jim has um, done so wonderfully and There is someone that said, who else stopped by the three big plant sales today?
2: Well, I think everybody in Memphis did because after they went by the three big plant sales, they went by their garden centers yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Which is great. I love it.
1: And then let's see, today, (laughs) I think Fayette Ware, Fayette Ware, no, that's a high school. Fayette County plant sale, that's going on. Yeah, Fayette Cares plant sale. That's going on today, too. And,
2: Jim, you said you went by all three plant sales yesterday, and
0: what, what did you see? I mean, some of everything? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, Dixon, of course, is primarily natives, but they're not all natives. Okay. Uh, and a lot of that and, and did we say that's boring, or we say that's no, good? No, it, <laughs> it, it was good. They had some really unusual things. Uh, I got several things there, <laughs> um some cuttings of the native um coral honeysuckle that were, love it and, and they do a lot of their own propagation so it's you know they're a little smaller plants and more economical and, and i said that with tongue-in-cheek you know because a lot of people when you
2: say the word native they're like <laughs> natives yeah. man you can have some beautiful natives and the beauty of a native is man once you get those things established mm-hmm. you talk about things that made it through this past winter
1: yeah, the, the natives—they natives, just shook it off. Like, no big what? deal. Yeah, a little cold weather. Psst. You know um the Fothergilla? Did I say <clears throat> that right, Jim? Fothergilla. Fothergilla. I say Fothigaria. I say what you did. <laughs> I can't say. You ought to hear me trying to learn Spanish. I can't even speak the English. The mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: that's it. Hola <laughs> español. Um, but when it, it had a little fuzzy, fuzzy white blooms, I love that. This year I'm liking the foliage. The foliage is kind of unique, actually. It
0: is the the lobes on the foliage make it kind of stand out in the garden.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, yeah exactly. So even though it's a native, <clears throat> that one is is very interesting to me. So y'all should try some of that. Part shade, shade loses its leaves in the winter, mm-hmm. but it's got that really cool, fun, fuzzy white bloom beforehand, and then these really cool leaves, and, and it just gives a and nice beautiful green. fall color too. True. Yeah. How, so, so, Jim- so that's like a four-season. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, three-season plant, because some people don't like the leaves to fall off in the winter. Yeah.
0: The, it does have good fall color.
1: Yeah.
2: So yeah. you are saying, so the Dixon had a great selection <coughs> even Dissonance. including na- natives yeah
0: just really cool stuff and like i say a lot of it is, is smaller material so you can get more stuff for your money and you got the honeysuckle now the honeysuckle also yeah i got a couple of honeysuckle well i they're actually going to go to a friend of mine up in uh, uh, kentucky okay uh and then <coughs> i've got uh, i bought a um <coughs> uh, <Asclepias>, uh, tubrosa, <coughs> tubrosa but, uh tuberosa not tuberosa uh curvasca the, the tropical milkweed yes you know it was kind of orange and orangey red flower It's a little taller than the common milkweed don't right not it yet. blooms all summer but they had some yeah. really nice plants that were up you know 18, 24 inches tall so yeah. I did you say there. you
1: got cuttings of
0: on on the native honeysuckle the coral one yeah. uh, tell
1: tell us how to do that well they how did get just, cuttings they just
0: did hardwood cuttings and stuck them in, and and like I said they have um, they do almost all of their, their stuff with volunteers. It's just really a wonderful place. Um, and, and if you haven't been out there, just walking the trails is. It will uh, take everything off your mind. It's just beautiful yeah. right now, particularly with the the uh, garden flocks, the wind, uh, woodland flocks in bloom all throughout there. It's just it's spectacular. And, now, and I dare say this on the radio, but is the
2: admission still? <laughs> they're all free. Free admission still going on at the Dixon? Uh, yes,
0: yes. And, it's. Um, you know, and of course, they're the all free for year. the plant sales. I got mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but, anyway, the Botanic Garden goes on again today from uh, 8, till 4 p.m Okay, and then Dixon is uh let's see Dixon is 9 to 4 p.m and Lichterman is uh 9 to 4 p.m also
1: okay
2: so all about the same time so 4 o'clock this afternoon Well, I'll
1: tell you what whoever comes up to shop at Palladio today that has been at any of these or going y'all have to take pictures and bring them so we can look at them at the garden centers, yeah. like because you're not going to be able to
2: leave no. to go look, you know. Oh, but wait, yeah. yeah. And what about you said, today? And you made it to the Botanic Gardens, and you also made it to Lichterman Nature mm-hmm. Center and, uh, and Yeah, and, and had Jim had a really good time at all three places, of course, and good good plant material. And what that's they- the beauty of it you can you can go to these different ones and see
0: completely different things to choose from. And saw a lot of different friends that you know have known through the years. Um saw Richard Beckwith who was uh, at the Botanic Garden forty mm-hmm. something years ago, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh saw him at Lichterman, he volunteers over there.
2: And what about you know, you mentioned honeysuckle a while ago, Jim and Veda. I think the honeysuckle made it through the winter pretty pretty oh, well, yeah, didn't it? I mean yeah. I hadn't heard anybody
0: talking yeah, about my Major on Wheeler right now is absolutely spectacular.
2: And, and and you know, one lady asked me the other day, she was at talking about honeysuckle. In fact, Jim, she purchased a major wheeler's which the one that she got. Uh, and she was like what about the fragrance and I said look when I think of fragrance on honeysuckle I think of the native wild honeysuckle that you see growing where you never want it to grow okay
0: and and that one may be the invasive one the (laughs) non-native
2: yeah well you're right right. Jim I'm sorry the non-native you're exactly right but it does have that wonderful fragrance. Well, a lot of these hybrids, uh, you know, they're not near as fragrant.
1: Right. So wow. you mean like when I was growing up and there was honeysuckle running all yes. down the fence, that's yes. the non-native? Yeah, that's the non-native. But it that's was it. out in the country. I
0: know, but yeah. it escaped and it went wild everywhere. Well,
1: that's but, what non-native does, mm-hmm. doesn't it? <laughs> yep.
2: But in, in a lot of people's mind, though, they're uh-huh. planting honeysuckle not because of the beautiful color and the mm-hmm. bloom, because of that wonderful fragrance. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm bringing this up is... When you buy these beautiful colored honeysuckles, you know that have the, you know, the the scarlet or the orange with the yellow throats and they're absolutely beautiful when they bloom. You're not going to get the fragrance on those mm-hmm. that you get on those old-fashioned honeysuckles mm-hmm. that you see growing right. in the trees, you know, around where you never want them to grow is my point. Well,
1: it's like I can smell honeysuckle when you're out in the country or driving Um, walk in the lane or whatever, I can smell it good. But like in the city, I don't. I can't smell it because there's so many other smells around, I guess, unless I got right on it. But I don't smell that wafting, wafting smell. Although I put all the petunias together in one area and just happened to be in the right place where I guess the wind carries it on the back patio at work. And Everybody that walks on the patio is like, oh, I can see. And those petunias smell awesome. And most
2: people would never even know that a petunia has a fragrance. But if you get close to some of them, especially some of these, like, I think there was one called Sugar Daddy, which Mm -hmm. was a purple. Yeah, that
1: one. I mean, it
2: is the sweetest smell Uh ever. A petunia. And, and, you know, and we don't plant petunias because of fragrance. No one ever thinks of that. But like you said, Vader, you get them all together, get a little kind of steel air back there. Yeah. Wonderful fragrance. No doubt about it.
1: The petunias look great this year too. And there's um so many new ones, like the big blooming petunias. I, I've got I don't remember the name, but their blooms are bigger than I've ever seen before. And like you said, the purple <coughs> ones are just big. Bodacious, that's a good word Bodacious
2: You're right And and that's just another plant That they expanded on You know, growing up There was just the old-fashioned petunias That we Mm. put in our containers Or our hanging baskets In the
1: summertime They're all leggy and Uh, yellow But but, you know, they were still petunias,
2: okay? (laughs) Yeah And then, of course, there's the wave petunias Mm. Now, the wave petunias Are really a truly trailing Or cascading type petunia It's Mm. perfect to put around the edge of pots Or in hanging baskets Because they'll billow up And kind of fall out of that thing and they bloom their heads off, and to me, they're more self-cleaning. Also, yeah. And then there's the super you know, that you buy in the little proven winter pots, and they come in all beautiful colors. In fact, we sold black ones yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they're super fina. Exactly, yeah. all these new hybrids, and, they, and but they're still petunias, and they and look actually, beautiful.
1: There is some <laughs> some differences between mm. the the varieties. There's one that trails really, really good. There's one that that's kind of stays flat it almost looks like a crabgrass flat and then um doesn't really the the stems seem rigid and then there's little flowers <clears> on the end of it so in a hanging basket i really wasn't liking it so much but when i if you plant it like in a bed that you're looking down on it looks pretty that way
2: and then what reminds me of petunias are the you know i always say calabrosia or million bells but they look like little baby petunia blooms, even though they're not petunias i get that but it's just another one of those plants, Veda Jim, that there's more options out there now than there ever has been. Um, you know, we talk about that all the time. I mean, you know, look at, for example, what they've done to Helleborus. You know, there's so many Lenten Rose out there now, mm-hmm. these beautiful hybrids where, you know, we used to, it was just that old fashioned Lenten Rose, which I still love them. But mm-hmm. now there's so many more selections out there. Look what they've done to Lakota Wee. This is a shrub that was completely nondescript that you would see. You would walk past it and never give it a second even look, Veda. And now with these newer varieties out there, Burning Love and some of those, Mm -hmm. they're beautiful plants. So there's so many new hybrids out there that, of course, when we were growing up, we were used to the old-fashioned, old-fashioned, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of these new hybrids, uh, they, they really look good.
1: Well, there's so many new plants out there that when somebody asks you what to plant, it's almost hard to narrow it Mind down. Mind-boggling. All right, y'all, we're going to run to a break real quick. And you give us a call, 901 Good morning, gardeners. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Kenneth and I were looking over our notes from last year. And let's see. You and Marianne, had, hang on just a second. Uh, you had the sun patients. Uh, yeah, I yeah. had
2: not here sun patients versus New Guinean patients. And that's what we just talked about. You know, the difference between the two. It's uh, crazy. That's crazy. And let's see. Last
1: year we had, oh, no, this is 2021. We talked about Christmas ferns and hydrangeas i don't
0: do notes i just come in here you just
1: come in he it's just
0: full of knowledge i
1: know it's like it's kind of like the notes are things that i'm looking at during the week that i'm enthralled with or or so then it's like i put it down so i don't forget it or i'm going to train somebody on it and then it kind of works out good to uh then talk about it herbs all kinds of herbs Good soil, of course. We yeah. talked about good soil and peat moss, and we're still talking about peat moss. Let's go to mm. Miriam from Bartlett. Good morning, Miriam. Thanks for the call. How can we help you? Uh, I would like to just let you know that we're going to have a African Violet sale today at Central Christian Church from 10 to 2.
2: 10 to 2. Let me write this down, and I hope my wife isn't listening just mm. yet because... <laughs> Marion, she'll be there, I promise you, because, I mean, good. her mother used to grow African violets, and now she's, you know, stuck her hand in there, and she's doing a pretty good job. But there's a few around the house that I think that needs to be in the compost pile and just start over, to be honest with you. <laughs> Do you have the address
0: yeah. of that, please?
2: Uh, Central you? Christian Church. It's on McLean, South McLean. Okay, thank you. Central Christian Church, and you said that was from 10 to 2 today. And African right. violets, and I'm sure y'all have got probably more African violet colors out there than anyone can ever imagine, correct? That's right. That's true. All right. My, we're, not ba- having, we're,
1: we're not having a show this time. We're just having a sale.
2: Love it. That's the best way to go. So today, from 10 to 2, the Central Christian Church, and you said that's on McLean, correct? Right. All righty, babe. Hopefully we'll see you there.
1: Okay. Thank you All very right. much. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for thanks,
2: calling. Thanks, Marion. that would be fun. More to do. African violets, I'm telling you, and I can't, look, I'm not going to sit there and tell you I could grow one. Mm -hmm. I've never tried, but I've seen people fail miserably trying to grow African violets, and I don't know why it would be so hard, but I've also seen people have the most beautiful African violets, not a blemish on them, so they know exactly what they're doing. And I guess the biggest thing, you know, you never water them from the top. You always want to water from the bottom, correct? Because you don't want water ever on the foliage. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, let me tell you about this. <laughs> Don't oversaturate the soil. Three, I had three African violets, and they some uh, somebody, <laughs> not me, let them get really dry. <clears throat> and so enough dry where you'd put them in the water, and they'd float. So put some water in the tray, set them in there, and they sucked all the water up. Good. And I was like, okay, we'll just leave them here for a second and we'll put them back up. Well, somebody decided to add more water. Of course. And it actually absorbed all that too. But that was too much water for those to to hold that long. It wasn't draining off fast enough. So eventually the leaves at the bottom were kind of turning mushy. And the flowers at the top were falling over Mm -hmm. because the soil was so saturated it couldn't even breathe. And then it apparently started rotting some of the roots. So cut everything back and took it out of the pot so it could dry out more fertilize it a little bit and it recovered but the thing was is the even though it still was able to suck up more moisture Mm -hmm. it didn't need that
2: jim what's the secret with african violets? i mean is there one or is it just just you
0: just kind of know what you're doing and well bright light is is one of the most important things again you know typically watering from the bottom uh using a good african violet yeah, uh, fertilizer. Give, give them a fertilizer. Uh, and that's, you know, pretty much it. You know, I've done it. I've killed about 100 of them. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: know,
1: you know. No, it's and, true. Me too. It, <laughs> and the reason I was asking because... Because
0: I always want to put them where they don't really want to I be. I know. You know, put them on the <laughs> dining room table or kitchen table, you know, and there's not enough light there. And so they, they eventually bloom out and you think, well, I'll set it back and, and see if it comes out of bloom. And you, and you put it again somewhere where it's too dark. Yeah, And so it just sits there until, you know, you finally just decide, well, let's just get another
2: one. Well, and the Mm -hmm. reason I was asking that question also is, you know, with a lot of different things like cactus, you can get a cactus soil. Mm -hmm. Orchids, you get an orchid bark. Well, African violets, you get African violet soil. And I'm assuming it's a soil that actually drains pretty darn good. Right. You know, it's a blended soil and it's for African violet. So, I mean, I guess as a novice, because I've never grown them, I would make sure that I had a nice... Well-drained container or an, or an African violet container, if you will. I would definitely use African violet pining median and then maybe buy the cheapest African violet I could starting out, right? <laughs> it's
1: just like, but, you know, people let it go a little too dry and don't fertilize at all is another thing. It, I hear they're in the right um, environment, but their watering habits are really slack and the fertilizing habits are none. And, and I'm finding out with even orchids and stuff like that, they're not feeding them mm-hmm. is one. But like Jim was saying, you put them where they really don't grow, but that that's a good thing. You can enjoy it while it's blooming, like you right. said, and then put it back on the growing shelf and then regrow it and set it back out.
2: Well, good. So the Marion said that was from 10 o'clock to two o'clock today.
1: Well, speaking of putting things where they don't grow, um, there's a showroom designer that Does, you know, all the the fountains, furniture and stuff like that, making it all look good and everything. Well, I got in these beautiful tree form mandavillas. Mm -hmm. I'm sure y'all, and just amazing. Well, I come walking through the showroom and what do I see? Those two beautiful tree form mandavillas in the display Mm -hmm. under the, and I was like, oh gosh, that looks great. Great, but yeah. it won't won't last there. No,
2: it's gonna look good for a week. So there,
1: I told him. I said three days for the weekend. Yeah, three days. And you they've got. got to go back outside, and yeah. so. But I'm sure they'll sell before
2: then. Well, but that's what we're always constantly trying to do is put things where they typically don't really need want to be, especially mm-hmm. when we're talking about indoor plants. Um, you know, we'll we learn by trial and error. There's no doubt about it. And if you've got a plant, indoor or outdoor, and you plant it and you put it somewhere, and let's say it's just not doing well, you take that same plant, put it in the a different environment, in fact, one that is more conducive for the growth of that plant, and it goes crazy. You know, So it can be just the location of the plant and nothing else. The feeding can be perfect. The moisture's perfect. The drainage is perfect. Everything's perfect, except it's just the location of the plant is not right.
1: You know, what else, too, is if you're not moving your house plants outside, even though they're indoors in like a semi-controlled environment, the one thing we're not controlling is the the simple fact that the days are longer, mm-hmm. so they're going to be utilizing a little bit more water. I mean, I've noticed that in the garden center, we've had to bump up the watering just another little bit of a level because oh, yeah. it's the days are longer. It's time for them to grow, so they're going to use more um, water to grow. But and then they're even inside's warmer. And what about know?
2: house pets that we've taken outside, Jim? Are we okay tonight? Oh, yeah. So yeah. you said it was in the high 40s or low 50s as far uh, as a... Well,
0: it'll be tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. That it's going to be in a chilly, 48, but, but maybe we're fine. 45.
2: Yeah, they'll be fine. Good. Because I know there's still yeah. a lot of basil out there also. We might. Yeah,
1: you know that last little more chill than we had now? I didn't put the basil up, and it was real young and tender, but it actually made it. Because it was up against the wall on one of the tables and and then in kind of in a cubby. So it was protected. So I think,
2: <laughs> I mean, as far as plant material goes, herbs, vegetables, bedding plants, whatever, I guess we're I guess does, fine does on anything, go? aren't well, we?
0: Well, you know, there's still some things I wouldn't plant till after the 1st of May. Uh, like in vegetables, we, we talked about okra. I mm-hmm. think the ground's still too cool right. for that. Um, but as far as people, what they planted, as far as tomorrow night's, yeah a i'm not chill not, not worried about tomatoes or yeah. anything like that yeah uh now if it's real windy that can always play havoc on on potato vine and and uh and basils yeah. so, um you you know it, it wouldn't hurt to throw a, a little sheet over them and yeah piece of paper over them yeah. and weight it down with rocks yeah yeah just keep the wind hold a little hold a little bit of that mm-hmm. heat in there and keep the yeah. wind like you said, off of
2: it
1: oh herbs everything i'll see some sunshine now I'm getting really motivated. Is it going to be sunny today?
0: I feel yes. so far. Near, okay, good. Near, the, near 80. So it's going to be a warm day. And then okay. we're supposed to have That's a little good. bit of
2: rain, Jim said, coming out. Oh, where the man over here. A little bit of rain coming in tonight. Uh, but a beautiful day today and another beautiful day tomorrow.
1: Absolutely, y'all. So hang on. We've got two more hours to go. Get your coffee, get your tea. Keep us tuned in. We'll be right back.
0: The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening with your hosts, Fate Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening. I'm Beta with Palladio in Memphis.
2: Yes, she is. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers right here in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm Jim Crowder. And go and Jim, a, a, or try
0: our nurse, really. a
2: fine administrator, administrator of a nice Facebook page. Thank you very much. Which is? Mid-South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zones, 6, 7, and 8. And every time I talk to you, it seems like you're getting more and more and more people that are joining this Facebook
0: group. Yeah, we've had a good week. Over 100, I think, added this week. Uh, Audrey
2: Fielding uh, just sent me a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page and said, What about okra seed again, guys? Planting now? Question Yeah. I would hold off a little bit on the okra seed. Uh, okra, uh, as we all know, it's in the cotton family, and it likes it really hot. I mean, the hotter, the better. I mean, okra takes off when it's hot. So, uh, I, Audrey, I'd give it another uh, 10 days, 2 weeks, towards the latter part of the month before I went out there and started planting okra seed, just because, there again, it likes it really hot uh, to grow. So that's, And that's about the only vegetable, in my opinion, that I would
0: that I would wait on. Is the okra? That's uh, I don't think that's be the only only one. well, cow peas. I wouldn't you know I normally don't plant those until June anyway. Yeah. Everything else is beginning to fade. Yeah, yeah. But okra is the only one that's really concerning to me. Early May, you'll be
2: good yeah. to go. Yeah. And the only other thing is you know the caladium bulbs. We still tell people when it comes to caladiums, unless you're doing them in containers, uh, if you're doing them in a bed outside, typically wait till these nighttime temperatures are in the 60s or above on a consistent basis, because if you go out there and put them out there too soon, which we all want to do, I get it. Uh, and it stays the soil temperatures stay pretty cool and wet. They can rot on you, but Hey, we're getting there pretty quick. You said the hot of days in the eighties. So mm-hmm. look at the weather before you, Plant okra and f- mm-hmm. before you plant your uh, caladium bulbs.
1: Yeah, soil should be warming up quickly, more <coughs> quickly. I was just going through pictures <coughs> and I saw a really pretty combination that would be great for the summer. And it's that variegated ginger, it's the annual ginger, mm-hmm. and then purple secretia at the bottom base of it. That's such a pretty combination. That would be, and you know, the ginger. You know, I haven't used that in a long time, but I recall it needed some shade. But hasn't it grown in full, full sun? Yeah,
0: yeah, oh yeah, yeah. and, and that's usually, the it that's blooms the better if you get it out
2: in full sun. Yeah. Yeah. and that's but, what I okay. call tropical ginger, which mm-hmm. has that real pretty variegated foliage you'll start to
1: it. Seeing it available now, like mm-hmm. in three-gallon containers, you know. But right. if it
0: doesn't have plenty of water, you'll see the flowers just wilt on you by the end of the day. So, wow, you want to make sure that you have, keep it evenly moist.
1: I've, I've seen, what's that tall ginger? It's that's got the butterfly the, ginger, the yeah, green leaf one. and that one was uh, needs a lot of water, more so than this one, the regular tropical ginger. What's well,
0: it's such a, an aggressive plant, too, and, I mean, it spreads rapidly. Um, Which oh, one, Jim? The, the, the
2: butterfly. The, the tall ginger. Yeah. And then there's a ground cover ginger also. I mean, a perennial. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, there's so many different looking ginger. <laughs> if somebody
2: parejas. comes in and says, hey, I want some ginger, well. <laughs> Right, which one do we want? Right,
1: mm-hmm. I'm always figuring they're wanting that one that you use the root for.
2: But Veda, you said putting ginger in a container, which a lot of people do because mm-hmm. of that pretty variegation. And then you said what else in there it's with the
1: secretia, it? secretia, that purple. Some people call purple it Moses. Heart. Yeah, Moses in a basket. Yeah. Has it been called that before? And this um, actually it does really good in the ground. You know that comes back every year. We we changed one bed to the uh, bed where we're going to put flowers in, annuals and or perennials. But there was secretia planted in it. And we're keep trying to get it out and it keeps popping up in different areas. But that one always comes back, even though it seems like it's only sold in the annual section in the summer. But it's really a perennial. Oh, it
2: definitely is. And it's, I mean, it, it's almost like a an evergreen, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: yeah, because it's. It's just I mean, bad in the of coldest and coldest yeah. of
2: weather. You know, it'd get burned and go away. But it no, it's it to me, it's it's a it's definitely a perennial.
1: And man, you have to have caladiums, and I know there's kind of a shortage on caladiums. There so definitely you better is this year. Get them sooner than later.
2: Uh, yeah, and you know, we ordered. Let's say if we ordered ten different varieties of caladium bulbs this year, we got five. Yeah. You know, and uh, it, it's just that's the way with. It. There again, that flash freeze that came through. It didn't stop in Memphis. It went farther south and even as far as Palisade, Florida down there, where they grow a lot of these bulbs. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. caladium bulbs are not as plentiful this year as they have been in years past. But, you know, thank goodness we got some, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I better hurry and get one. There's so many things that you, you know, you don't need to go. I don't want to go a season without. And that would be caladiums, your regular impatience. I have to have an impatient. And then after that, whatever's new or cool looking. All right, let's go to Tim from Memphis. Good morning, Tim. You're in the Mid South Garden.
0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey,
2: Tim, doing Good. great, buddy.
0: Well, I want to talk about subterraneans and hosta leaves. I'm about to go
2: postal on whatever it is that's chewing on my hostas. Uh, the question specifically is, you know, it's a it's a bed. It's got thick mulch, so it's hard to see the. It's hard to see any burrows or lines. Would mm-hmm. does
0: fox urine work? on subterranean creatures.
2: Well, you know, it's funny that you bring this up, Tim, because one of my first words in my notes today is a word called a vole, a V-O-L-E. Oh, yeah. And voles, as you know, would love nothing better than hostas. I mean, it's caviar to a vole. And they will gnaw the roots right off that thing. They'll drag it underground just like Bugs Bunny does a carrot, I'm telling you. But if you think you have a vole problem... Uh, then you're right. You've got two or three different ways you can try to control them. One is you can get old-fashioned mouse traps and bait it with a pecan or a piece of a pecan, and you set that baited trap down there in the bed, and you cover that trap with a clay pot, and you'll snap them up big time. Another thing is Mole Max or Mole Go. Both of those products are nothing more than castor oil. So you're better off using castor oil as a mole and vole repellent, in this case, vole repellent, than you are, say, you know, the fox urine, okay? So uh, castor oil, either liquid or granulated, mole max or mole go, it comes under those two names. And then lastly, if you are pretty sure, Tim, that you do have voles in that hosta bed, uh, I would at some point maybe pull the mulch back in in places, see if you can find the little quarter-sized holes that they leave, and I would either use some uh, volex, which is a pellet that you drop down in the holes, or some ramek that you drop down in the holes, which is a rat bait. But both of them will kill voles. So you can either try to bait them, you can try to repel them, or you can try to trap them. But you got to get rid of those voles.
0: I never thought—so I, I, I always thought of voles and moles eating the bulb.
2: Right. They, will they chew on the leaves as mm-hmm. well, or is that something above ground? No, yeah. well, it's, it's funny. I've, I've, a guy brought me in, Veda, a, I shouldn't say a video, a, a video of voles, V-O-L-E-S, above ground eating leaves. Now, for the most part, you know, we see the problem where they're just eating the roots off of plants. But if they're eating on the top part, I mean, that could be so many different things, including rabbits, you know?
1: Yeah, rabbits, Mm, slugs, things. You know, you mentioned you had a lot of mulch. Mulch is a really good place for slugs and voles and all of that to hang out. And if you've got more than like an inch, even two inches, you might could spread or thin your mulch out. Also, if you turn the soil around and under your hostas, uh, that can expose the slugs or even the slug eggs for the birds to go after. uh, Cleaning out Uh, from under, that could help too. And I've seen people tie them up. For a minute until they can get you know Everything out because they like that Shady moist home to stay
2: Yeah and I would dare say I would say if it's voles V-O-L-E-S Voles are p- more underground eating the roots If it's something eating above ground uh, Then that's either another type of Varmint or like they set said A slug now if it's another type of Varmint then the fox urine uh, Is really not a bad move at all In fact it's a really good product to use
0: all right. I'm going to try everything.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> try pulling thank some mulch and stuff back and then applying all the urines and things he was talking about. But thank you for the call, Tim, because a lot of people well, are going to tell, be. Go ahead. Tell
2: Jim, tell Jim if my. If...
1: Oh, I'm sorry. His
2: advice and pruning them to the ground.
0: Good plan yeah man
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you Tim right, have a good
1: have day. a good weekend care, buddy. thanks Tim thanks for the call I was just about to say I'm sorry but I think it was me that couldn't hear okay let's go to a break and we'll take more wonderful gardening calls or you can post questions on our Facebook live we'll be right back call us 901-260-5926 Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. We'd love to take your questions. You can post them on Facebook Live, or you can call in and just give them to Philip. He'll he'll send them to us, too, if you don't want to talk on air.
2: Yeah, and the phone number up here is 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. And like Veda just said, the Mighty 990 Facebook page. And the great thing, guys, if you miss all of this, talking to a lady just this week in the Garden Center, she says she goes back and listens to the podcast, mm-hmm. kwamradio.com. And I... Told her, thank yeah. you so very much.
1: Right. It does help because there's so much knowledge shared that um, it's hard to keep up.
2: Yeah. And uh, Audrey, you know, she was the one that texted in about the okra seed. Is it okay to plant okra now? And, of course, our answer was just give it a little bit longer. Let these soil temperatures get a little warmer than they are now. And then uh, Audrey, she also said, and what about Vinca? Vinca, you're fine. You know, it, it's just now getting time where you can put Vinca in the ground, Periwinkle, because we know Periwinkle loves it hot and dry also. But as far as plants go, I mean, hey, the we're good to go.
1: Man, I do remember. I always wait till June for me personally on the Vinca.
2: And then you can't get it.
1: Right, right, exactly. So um, because it always seems like for me, it gets that Phytophora, just a little bit of coolness that, that hits. I When is Memphis in May? in may yeah memphis in may okay
0: well that Sorry. explains why <laughs> it's is. called memphis
1: in may no wonder but i mean isn't it like the eighth or something but what I'm, i always remember that the week end of memphis in may i still all the way up to that time some nights are cool where i have to use the uh the fireplace just a little fire though but it's just cool enough to get away with that and it seems like after the Memphis in May, then I feel like everything's warm enough for the Vinca. I'm, I mean, do you like, just it makes me crazy. But also now I think some of the Vinca has been hybridized stronger where it doesn't get it as soon as it used to.
2: Well, the biggest thing with Vinca is, you know, it hates wet feet. And there again, we talk about this all the time, all day long. What doesn't hate wet feet? If you're planting period out there. Ducks. Which is <laughs> quite <laughs> I did ask the question, Veda. If you're Program's planning, going downhill pretty dude, Really quick. quick huh? If you're planting vink or periwinkle out there as a bedding plant, uh, the biggest thing is just don't overwater it. Uh, I think, you know, the temperatures, I mean, like Jim was saying, the, you know, it's in the 80s today. Yeah, you
0: know, one of the tough things, though, sometimes is determining whether or not, you know, that wilted plant is actually overwatered right. versus <laughs> underwater. Oh, point. I know. I yeah. know so many times we see people who really improve their, break up their clay and put lots of real pretty black stuff in there you know Mm -hmm. but what you've done is create a little bowl in there and you can actually rot the roots off then the plant can't take in water so it wilts and what does you want to do when a plant wilts you want to water Mm -hmm. it more so audrey i'm saying is i'm sorry some sometimes dig one up and look mm -hmm. at the roots on them and see if they're black or See if there's actually moisture down there. Sacrifice one plant just to to, to be sure.
1: Because either way, if you don't figure it out, you're going to sacrifice them all. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I always stick to my guns. I always say I'd rather slightly underwater than grossly over water. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially when it comes to things like Vinca because they just won't tolerate wet feet. Mm -hmm. And once they're established, I mean, they're tough as everything. They love it hot and they love it dry. kind of reminds me of Lantana, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, uh, anytime... uh, you know, because these these soil temperatures are definitely starting to warm up with these warm days we've been having, and also Renee Smith texted in. She said, "When can I plant my zinnia seeds?"
1: Well, a lot of people wait leave even longer because they, you know, early on they'll seem to get the powdery mildew. So some people don't even throw seeds out until what, around May. Yeah. But I still would try some now, too. Uh, Why not? A lot of people
2: are putting zinnia seeds in the ground right now. Or they'll
1: do monthly. They'll seed every couple of weeks or every month or so just to constantly keep them.
2: Stagger your zinnia seed planting just like you would planting gladiolus bulbs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That way you get that continual fresh. Jim, what do you think about zinnia
0: seeds now? Well, um, I've never... I don't usually grow them from seed because I, I normally would just get a few. It's not one of my favorite flowers. Yeah, I love them. And yeah, one I'm of here. the main reasons is because they're so susceptible to powdery mildew. Yeah. And I have a lot of other stuff around that you know, and I'm just not, I just don't like to plant things I know that are going to have an issue. Yeah, Well, it's like. Um, but I, th- I think May 1st, I think yeah. you're probably okay, yeah. particularly in looking at the long range. That, long range forecast it's we're going to have nights in the 60s Mm -hmm. uh for probably 10 days or more so i think you're fine
1: Yeah, it is good powdery mildew weather coming up actually on your flocks it could be on your crepe myrtles but i had asked um a couple of people because down i think it's in arkansas i wish i could jill foster i think that grows all this stuff brings it to the farmers markets and so they always have these beautiful zinnias. And I remember mm-hmm. when it was so hot and I was like, how? You know, I just hear mine get powdery mildew. And she goes, it's you wait. You wait to throw them out till you get past all the powdery mildew susceptible weather. Which and, is a little cooler and a little wetter. Yeah. Right. So that's for me. I would wait. But now she's making me want to throw seeds. I want to do everything today. Everything. <laughs> but there's You're so working
0: many- today. You remember that? Oh,
1: yeah. That's right. <laughs> So like do you do this I get to work I'm looking at all the wonderful things and I'm going oh I'm going to plant this and this and this and I've got it all in my mind and I say okay at the end of the day because you want to leave your stuff for the customers at the end of the day I'm going to grab my stuff. But at the end of the day, every day, all you want to do is just mm.
0: rest
1: because you feel like you've gardened all week. So I have picked out my plants like three times and then just don't have the energy to and go these are with plants,
2: them. And these are plants you're putting in containers on the balcony?
1: Yeah, and some plants I'm going to uh, plant in the yard at a uh, friend's house. And I'm definitely going to get some of the purple petunias. because They smell so good. But I love the alyssums and the lobelia because they're white, uh Kind of what airy looking, uh, and, and
2: that sky blue color on the alyssum Yeah,
1: and the alism and the I'm sorry, Yeah, and the alism smells, yeah. smells like to me like honey toast, piece of toast with butter and honey on it. So that smell with the petunias is beautiful. So I'm gonna do the purples, but then I want to think I'm gonna add orange or yellow, like the yellow million bells. Is it yellow or yella?
2: yellow? Yellow. Yellow. That's yes, what I, either way, yeah. I understand what you're saying. i right.
1: you gonna use the yellow petunias with the purple, that'll be like a vibrant kick. He'll look at that and say, Oh, good morning,
2: yeah. And that's and I agree with what you're saying. I think we're good to go on mostly all trees and shrubs, uh, vines, uh, even tropicals you can plant now. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, we were telling Renee and Audrey a while ago, the only thing that I might be just a little hesitant, hesitant on in planting in the ground just yet. Is zinnia seeds, even though some people have already started to do it, uh, okra seed, mm-hmm. uh, and then, like I said, oh, the palladium bulbs. I, I just, yeah. you know, you want these nighttime temperatures steadily in the 60s or above. Now, it, once we get there, you're good to go on all those.
1: On, uh, I just thought of this because I was thinking of somebody's yard when you listed those plants, we were going to use those, and so papyrus. That Does anybody? I've seen it come back some, but I was reading actually it was a zone eight. I didn't even think about it. I thought I'd seen it come back, but it's a zone eight to a zone ten. You know, we're almost zone eight. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah,
0: I've had it come back in when sitting in a in a pond. Yeah. Uh I didn't carry any over this year, but mm-hmm. two or three years ago I planted one and it lasted through two winters.
1: Yeah, because pap- pap- papyrus we've always just kind of considered for a water garden, and now, we have some of them some... are
0: very tropical. Yeah, okay. you know some particularly. I think there was the there's a giant one, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you'd be lucky in zone nine to have it winter. But hmm. uh, the one that we see so much, King Tut, does pretty well. Yeah. The little dwarf one uh and then the, the standard one and i don't know that it has a variety name but, yeah but it will usually come back if it's got plenty of water through the winter
2: time and is that the one that looks like the glorified uh really nut pretty nutgrass? Nut yeah.
1: yeah that's exactly. it does look. That's a, oh great thank you for that
2: it, is one. <laughs> actually,
0: it does it's it is it's just glorified nutgrass. <laughs> but it looks really good in in, in bog settings yeah. like yeah. y'all were
2: saying really good yeah. Yeah.
1: we're gonna use it in a setting where it's in wet shade actually mm-hmm. up against the house kind of by the gas meter so we figured that would be it says you know some people hide the gas meter with one tall holly you know it's just kind of like a soldier standing there guarding the gas meter we're trying to soften it up a little bit to where you really don't notice it it just kind of blends so we might go with that and then there's um see we wanted to put hookah with that but see hookah doesn't like that much water
2: Beautiful and it's not going to get really big enough either, is it, to hide that, that meter?
1: Yeah. Or we were going to do the papyrus. Oh, gotcha. And then the hookahra In front. Was, that's what they had wanted to do. And I was like, well. Too wet. Yeah. hookahra likes it drier and draining faster than mm-hmm. the papyrus. Uh, we'd have more moisture plus that area was wet so a lot of times you have to think about not if they look good together but are they in the same growing conditions
2: oh no and that that's everything if you ask me i mean
1: yeah that's true or
2: you'll find out the hard way like most gardeners do
1: yeah that's how we know the answers (laughs) because we've already done there done there
0: (laughs) 45 years or so we've all been killing plants yeah and you get the 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 vast knowledge of how we did it available right. every week. <laughs> yeah. Right here.
1: This is how I killed my plant. It's yeah. true. Or, well, I mean, also, too, do you think of all the questions that will get in a garden center? Oh, and yeah. I want to know the real answer. I don't just want to kind of throw it out there. I want to know the real, real answer. And um some people come in and go, well, I'm sorry I'm asking all these questions. I'm like, no, please do. That's why we're here. And because we're gardeners, we want other gardeners to succeed. We're not in that. I mean, of course, yeah, we want our yard to be best yard or yard of the month. But at the same time, yeah, secretly, but at the same time, we're so sharing with our knowledge and we want their stuff to survive like ours.
2: And and Jim always says, you know, these plants want to survive regardless of what we do to them. You know, no plant wants to die before it's time. Yeah.
1: They and, and, and look funny trying to survive sometimes But they're trying Yeah,
2: but the, but I don't care Some things that we do I mean, it, the plant is just there We put it there We put it in the worst spot you could ever put it, Veda And we treat it just horrible And we expect that thing to be beautiful If it does,
0: you killed it <laughs> This you, is true You either gave it something it didn't want Or it wanted something you didn't give
1: it. You talk bad to it We'll be right back with more conversation. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we could be here with you this morning and every Saturday morning, actually. Yeah, I Miss Bader. We, we all look forward to it. So we look forward to it. Hey, this is what y'all need to do. We want to know what's going on in your garden. Yep. Uh, we want to know your gardening questions. I know we can just talk endlessly all the time about a million topics, but I do like to know what's happening in y'all's gardens as well. Um, so it, put a
2: But if you want to give us a call, you can do it one or two or three ways. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Uh, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. And, of course, the Mighty 990 Facebook page. And this is what Mary just texted in, Uh, Mary Calvary. She said, I have a 40-year-old hydrangea. There is new growth coming from the bottom, but all of the old stems, there is no growth whatsoever. Can I go ahead and cut these off? And Mary is, I'm assuming, talking about the old-fashioned hydrangea, you know, the ones Mm. that bloom pink or blue. And Mary, you're exactly right. Every old-fashioned hydrangea in Memphis, all that tissue that was above ground, all the limbs were toast, dead to the ground. And the only growth that we're getting back is from the root system down there. So absolutely, all those stalks that are sticking up, that are dead, they're not going to come back out. Get a pair of snips, get out there as soon as you can and cut those things down as far as you can. Uh, And all that means is, Thank goodness the hydrangea is still alive. It is mm-hmm. coming back from the root. Of course, the drawback with that is we're not going to have hardly any blooms on those hydrangeas this year. We'll get a few, you know, on some of the newer hybrids, Jim, as you know, but it's not going to be a good year when it comes to the old macrophilia blooming type hydrangeas. Just not going to do it. So, Larry, I have,
0: get out there and cut all those back. I have so many hydrangeas that if I were cutting them with clippers, I, it, I'd... You know, or hedge exactly. clippers, gym or how would you? I, probably, I took a chainsaw to mine. Yeah. No, you did didn't. You, I well, did absolutely. Just yet, they had green foliage up mm-hmm. about six inches tall. Yep, and I just sheared everything off above it because in another week they'll be hidden by the right. foliage.
1: Okay, good. So, I I was wondering that because it's in my in-laws' house and there's fifteen. Yeah, and I'm thinking, oh, how am I ever going to get all <clears throat> these pruned? So, uh yeah. So I'm going to just take them all down straight like that.
2: Yep. Now I if a All good right, Jim, sharp, I'm doing that. Sharp pair of hedge clippers would also well, yeah, that's what I'm th- unless the canes were just too yeah. thick. Now if they're too thick, you gotta do a pair of clippers or ch- <laughs> loppers. A, or, loppers <laughs> or a chainsaw, but a yes. Chainsaw. Go ahead and get those things cut down, Mary, as close to the ground as you possibly can. And then Charlotte um, she texted in and said, Can you talk about the best time slash place to plant knockout roses? Uh, she lives in Shreveport, Louisiana. Yay! Hello Louisiana. Uh, neither Louisiana. I appreciate the uh, text. The best place for knockout roses, guys... Is in somebody else's yard. No, <laughs> Jim! But, I mean, if you're going to plant a knockout rose, what, what are the criteria for planting that rose?
0: Well, if you're not having rose rosette issues in the area that you live, and a lot of areas don't have that viral disease... Uh, then just give them full sunlight and plenty of room because they're going to get five or six feet wide and tall, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to be happy as can be. Yeah. Uh, more sun than shade. Yep. If you're having, like we are here trouble with rosette, then the best place to put them is on the east side of a west of a north south running fence. The east side of the north-south right. running fence. Our primary winds here are from the southwest during mm-hmm. the time that the mite is, is most actively propagating. Mm-hmm. So if you can put something there to block the wind off of it, then your chances of it getting the disease are substantially lower. Because you're actually keeping that wind-blown mite from just from getting, to, getting it, up to the roses. Right, A tall plant behind it. Um a, a, a large plant or, or a fence or some structure that will protect it from that southwesterly wind and you're going to get plenty of sunlight for it to bloom. <clears throat> so that's where I would locate it.
2: Yeah. yeah yeah and and you know there is a uh and Charlotte, thank you for that text. And, you know, the beauty of a knockout rose or a shrub rose in my opinion is you get a lot of bloom on them, uh, they're very low maintenance when it comes you know you typically don't get black spot and these other diseases that you get on teas and some of the other roses um, so they're easy almost hands free type shrub roses uh, they and like I said and they bloom a lot but like Jim was saying you know they, they definitely need like any other rose more sun than shade they need well-drained soil uh, but like Jim also just said, you just got to be on the lookout mm-hmm. for Rose Rosette. I was talking to a lady yesterday, uh, and she had knockout roses that she had dug up last year uh, because they did have witches' broom. And I was telling her the same thing. I was like, look, if you're going to plant a display of knockout roses, you still want to try to have some decent air circulation in between and around these roses. Jim always says, you know, if you plant just a bank of them, like a hedge of knockouts, it's going to catch every windblown mite that comes through there, like a catcher's mitt. It's going to get them. It Mm -hmm. just catches them. So the further you space them apart and use them as individual specimens instead of like a shrub hedge, I think the better off you are in trying to ward off that disease.
1: Man, we have got some. um, uh, Y'all's roses, too, at work are probably about to some are blooming or they're about to bust out. And I cannot mm. wait because roses are just amazing. So you can have roses and petunias and gardenias all planted together and you could get such a good smell. But you know, maybe not planted together because then all the smells mess up. <laughs> no, up. <laughs> you want to do them together,
2: Beta. And also, real quick, this is the first year there is a petite knockout. Uh, you know, like Jim just said a while ago, all knockout roses tend to get pretty big and pretty tall and pretty wide uh with this year they came out with uh, it says meet petite the new knockout rose uh which is only gets about 18 inches tall and about 18 inches wide and it still has beautiful blooms it blooms just like say a drift rose maybe the blooms might be a little bigger so it is a knockout rose but it's just a miniature or dwarf version of that and you're going to see a lot of people planting that type of rose in containers not only in beds but also in containers
1: Remember the yellow knockout rose? I yeah, know it's still, still available, mm-hmm. but they were like really yellow when they started out blooming. Next day they're
0: cream color. Yeah, yeah, they fade to
2: they fade to a whitish color right. pretty quick. Yeah, most
1: most people that got the yellow were saddened that it wasn't as nice and yellow as it starts coming out as, but it's still a yellow, maybe cream, but that looks good. Um, still good time to plant trees. You know, a lot of times we just plant trees in the fall, it seems, but great time to plant trees now, too. And, um, you know, you can do some small ornamentals like the fringe tree, the chase, Vitex, Redbud. bud. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogwoods to some extent crape yeah, myrtles even crape myrtle yeah dogwoods definitely
2: purple leaf plums oh yeah which you know i hardly ever see those anymore uh, honestly same. which which i don't care because mm-hmm. i never was a big fan of purple leaf plums anyway
1: i see them more when i go out toward the country you know just as you're heading out of the city like in lakeland fayette county area i see more of them out there i don't know why because you know they They need a lot of air circulation and growing room, too, just because they can get some fungal issues or spots on their leaves. Oh, big time. Oh, you know, one thing, it seems like we haven't talked about in forever, and maybe it's because all the Bradford pears are practically gone, is the fire, fire blight. That was a question we would have all the time, was my... Uh, Bradford pear has something on the end of it it looks burnt and it, it would be the fire blight and I feel like we haven't talked about that a lot. Well
2: that's good because we haven't brought it up because yeah. people haven't been really having a problem with it.
1: Because they don't have the Bradford pears and like you anymore. Said, Veda,
2: and, and you know you still can get fire blight mm-hmm. on pyracanthas yeah. and even some apples and other type of trees but it was the pears that it was really affecting mm-hmm. and of course everyone had a pear in their yard when the Bradford Pears came out 20, 25 years ago, everybody had them. We've all had them, and we've all seen them split, and we've all cut them down and got rid of them. But you're right. Uh, fire blight is a, it is a problem. But if you ever get or have fire blight, and it makes the end of those limbs turn absolutely black like they've been in a fire. You know, you got to go way in there, cut that way back, cut it out, but you go beyond where the damage is. You go up into the green tissue and try to cut all that stuff out of there A lot of people even sterilize the blade between cuttings and then come back and spray with that streptomycin.
1: So we changed fire blight for crepe myrtle bark scale. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But we're not getting rid of the crepe myrtles.
2: No, no. So, But, yeah, that's a good thing that that's something that – hadn't really been an issue, yeah. you know, thank goodness.
1: I know, I was looking at some things and I thought, well, that's one thing, because we didn't talk about Japanese beetles either back then, but now we (sighs) talk about those, so we're trading some things out. And I tell
2: you, when it comes to Japanese beetles, and of course we'll be talking about these things later on, every year that goes by, we're seeing the numbers explode when it comes to Japanese beetles. And that is not going to change. I don't see anything, Jim, down the road that's going to change that whatsoever.
0: Nope, it's was- going to. Unfortunately, they're um, they're not. They're here to stay. Yes, and they're not going to stop e- either. Yeah. Of them, we're going to get them to expanding southward and and um, northward. Um, and the problem is, so many people won't do anything about them. You know. We worry as, as gardeners, we worry about what they're doing to the, the appearance of things like roses. and right. But they're going to come back out. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. The crape myrtles are going to re sprout. And so they're not going to kill them, they're just going to make them ugly for a little while. Mm. Uh, where they're going to do their real damage is in the turf, mm-hmm. you know, in the grub form before they even, before and they you turn don't into really a see that because it happens from um, really July on into the fall. When it's dry, uh, and your grass begins to brown a little bit, you don't always think about it being a bug. You think more that we've got a water issue, so mm-hmm. you pump up your water, but that really doesn't stop it. So, you know, we've had June bugs here for years and years and years and years. Um, and that's the little brown. That's the little brown yeah. one comes out, and you know, and you hit chair when <laughs> when you're walking under your lights. You know, Punch um, you in the head it scares a bejesus out of you. <laughs> Um, but they're, um, normally their population is pretty low, you know, five, sometimes a few more per square foot. And they're coming from a grub also. That's right. And and they look almost identical, the two grubs, Mm -hmm. but you know, we see, we see populations of 25 plus per square foot on the Japanese beetles when we get really heavy uh, concentrations. So, you know, Mm. that's where you want to think about treating your yard because the ones that are chewing on your flowers are probably not coming from your yard they're coming from somebody else's yard who's not treating so you know so that's what we you meant that's, <laughs> what, well, that's what that's what you meant when you said we need to get serious
2: about treating, treating the lawn treating japanese beetle grubs right
1: right well we got to run to a break and when we come back we'll tell you what to use for that plus other things Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So what are we using to control these freaking bugs?
2: The grubs? Yeah. I mean, there's there's two ways you can do it. You can get a product like Dialox, uh, which is the Bayer 24-hour grub control. You put it down, water it in, and it's going to kill grubs like now, immediately. Any grubs that are active in your in your lawn. And then Jim, also you know you can put down what they call uh, bug bladder, uh bug blaster <laughs> bladder. bug. Uh, I think it's called bug blaster above and below. And what that does, it kills grubs that are active now, but it also will prevent the generation of grubs that haven't even you know turned into a beetle from turning into a beetle later on. So there's some really good granulated products you can put out there, watered in. Like I said, some of them get them right now. There are some products that get them now and also prevent the ones from coming later on. So Bug there. Blaster and Dialox are the two that I like.
1: Everything has a stage, doesn't it? Yeah. I wonder if we're in our larva stage right now. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Right, so, you know, um, like clover is a nitrogen fixer, mm-hmm. right? And then when it dies down, it puts... Nitrogen back in your soil. You mean
2: when you spray it with 2,4-D or, or no, a good broadleaf weed killer? you know it,
1: where I'm going with this. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> why are we getting rid of our clover when it fixes nitrogen? And then you've got nitrogen and natural fertilizer into your yard. I mean, maybe think about it like this. I'm trying to give you some other attributes oh, of why, why you could— not to
2: kill that clover? Yeah,
1: you could keep that clover a little longer uh, because, you know, it's pretty. Uh, it does fix nitrogen into your lawn. So that would be helpful. Uh, It's there. The clover flowers are there for the early pollinators as well. And um, you can make necklaces out of the flowers. (laughs) Well, you got me there, okay? (laughs) I got you there. And you can probably, hopefully, find one four-leaf clover.
2: Yeah. Out
1: of how many years have I been looking? I have found one four-leaf clover in all my days.
2: There are going to be two classes of people when it comes Mm -hmm. to their lawn. There are classes of people that really don't care hey i'll just cut the weeds they're green they're holding my soil in place i don't have erosion going on and if i keep it manicured i keep it cut so be it right right Right. and, and including clover the second class is i don't want a weed one in my lawn not one not weed. one
1: smidge of no weed. ma'am but see good thing clover's not weed
2: It depends more. (laughs) Bermuda is a weed if it's growing in your flower bed, right? Right. It's not a weed if it's in your lawn, which is Bermuda.
1: Well, let me tell you this. Out of this uh, survey of all 50 states, and they surveyed for what people do in their their yard work, building sheds was one, garden center visits was another, gardening, greenhouse growing, hydroponics, landscape, lawn care, lawn mowing, pest control, and planting flowers. So the number one thing that tennessee does is
2: spray weeds
1: yeah lawn care
2: yeah love it
1: yeah i was like tennessee's number but they mentioned the mountainous areas and all and i mean is memphis in tennessee or is it in mississippi or is it in, <laughs> in arkansas? arkansas where are we um let's see kentucky was lawn mowing louisiana was lawn mowing uh there was three states that their gardening hobby was visiting garden centers <laughs> I like that one. Let somebody else do all the work. I'm just going to uh, look at it.
2: Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a personal opinion on what how you want your lawn mm-hmm. to look. And like I said, I've seen really pretty lawns. As long as they keep them manicured and, and, and weed-eated and trimmed and cut, you know, so what if there's some weeds in there, honestly? Yeah, um, that's true. But then again, I've seen these beautiful, uh, immaculate lawns that have nothing but that great turf-type grass in there, whether it's zoysia, Bermuda, whatever, and not a weed one in there, uh, almost like a golf course setting, if you will. And, right. of course, they're absolutely beautiful, too. And, I'm, you know, I'm just uh, one of the kind where, I don't know, it, weeds bother me. And I've told you a thousand mm-hmm. times, I can't walk down my driveway to the mailbox without stopping and plucking something out of the ground. I just can't help myself. Right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it's uh, I'm one of those where if I see clover, clover is a weed, and it will always be a weed to me. But I hear what you're saying, Veda. Clover is much more than just a weed. It's a pollinator. It's a inoculant like you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's an erosion control type plant. And when they bloom, it's not a bad-looking plant. But I'll never. <laughs> it's also out of place in Kennesaw. <laughs> I'll never see it that way.
1: That's exactly He is it. definitely convincing us. Not. I just won't see it and that I'm way. And I'm just sitting here as you're telling me uh, about the weed thing. I'm like, okay, hydroponics, that's a new growing thing. Uh, California is big in hydroponics, so that seems like that would make sense. And then I started thinking, well, I think Arkansas was too in hydroponics. And I'm like, is it the type of gardening they're doing there? Is why hydroponics <clears throat> is so so
2: popular.
1: Well, know? I think with
2: hydroponics, you can grow a lot of stuff in a building, right? You don't have yeah. to have any soil whatsoever.
1: But gosh, in California, you can grow anything anywhere there. It seems like. But And building sheds, that was interesting that building sheds was considered a gardening project. But it, Maine
2: Well, it's funny you said that, that, though, because I've North got a good—
1: Carolina.
2: Well, this—I had a good friend that—he's uh, in Nashville, and they moved into this house two years ago. And one of the very first things that they did was build a shed in the <laughs> backyard. Now, it was a very yeah. beautiful, well-done shed that kind of mimicked the color of— and, and almost the shape of the house. Yeah. Okay. That's cute. So it was well done. I'm telling you, but it was like, oh. Uh... That's the first thing that you're going to do is build, build a, a shed? shed in your backyard. Oh, it does somebody so he
0: can grow stuff hydroponically. Right. <laughs> <and laughs> then nobody can see that's it. That's Exactly <laughs> right. Thank he, you. Where I mean, he can put his, you know, his lawnmower
2: and weed eater and anything else. I mean, it, it really was a great looking shed. Oh, I and know. And then, of course, with the shed, you got to landscape around it. Mm-hmm. Then you got to do the little stepping stones that and go down to the shed. You got some hanging
1: baskets on the. You know. So
2: it turns into a whole project. Right. And, and like I said, and it looks great when you're done. But I'm thinking. That's just not the first thing that I would think I would do. I know
1: it was build a shed, but it kind of makes sense because now I'm thinking I think that's what we did actually. <laughs> hmm. I went to somebody's house and I was like, "Man, that that's a nice mother-in-law suite." And they go, "No, that's my shed." <laughs> so I guess so.
2: And, and they can be as elaborate as you want them. I promise you.
1: Well, the most popular grasses uh, are St. Augustine, Buffalo. Well,
2: if St. Augustine, if you go south, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Buffalo grass, fescue grass, and zoysia grass. I didn't say Bermuda, but they're saying turf grass. Would you think that would be Bermuda? Yeah,
0: I mean, here in the yeah, Mid-South. It's, an, it's a narrow band, though, where Bermuda's, I mean, really 6, 7, and 8 Yeah, uh, is huh. about the only place you grow Bermuda. Uh, wow. You don't want to grow it up north because, one, it won't survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody wants it down south because it is like the worst yes. weed in the world. Yeah, um, so true so It's only here in a, Apparently there's some IQ things That follow the USDA zones <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness That, that um, You know, it's it, it grows fast And easily grown here And really not your best option Yeah yeah. Oh but well. We do see a lot of Bermuda and Zoysia Here mm-hmm. in the Mid-South And yep. of course,
2: Fescue in the shade
1: Bermuda is economical There's that, sort of We'll be right back
0: The garden help you need now. Mid South Gardening with your hosts Beta Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. I'm Beta with Palladio Garden.
2: Yes, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder. With
1: the face- I don't do
0: anything.
2: <laughs> administrator, <laughs> of
0: uh, a Facebook page no, come up here on Saturday morning. Uh, yeah, I am an administrator and and I started the Facebook group even about a year before we uh, we actually. Uh, I we came to this wonderful station here yes. at KWAM. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but i will tell you, the
2: garden centers guys, local garden centers are stocked, chocked full of yeah. beautiful mm-hmm. annuals, perennials, all the vegetables, hanging baskets. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's hey, it's it's on now.
1: Everything. So you know what the top lawn pet peeves are.
2: Weeds would be number one.
1: Yeah, we 27%. Okay, the way they this survey has taken place is, first off, they um, used the hits <clears throat> from Google, like 3,600. What did somebody Google the most? Gotcha. And then the other was they uh, interviewed 800 gardeners. You
2: know, so, these surveys, I mean, I've yet to meet anyone that's ever been surveyed. But anyway... Well, yeah.
1: I you then. I've never told you I get surveyed.
2: Do you okay?
1: That time that the cops came out and no, I mean, <laughs> okay. Twenty-seven percent of people hate weeds.
0: Okay, I'm I'm all for them.
1: Twenty-seven percent, fifteen percent of the people hate the dog poop.
0: Yep, that'd be one one of mine right
2: up here at the top. And I think that a lot has a lot to do with the size of the dog too. But anyway, yeah,
1: who yeah. would you know? I never thought, but yeah, fourteen um, percent hate the garbage. I guess that's coming from neighbor's yard, because if you hate the garbage in your lawn, just get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, dead grass is 12 percent 12 percent hate their lawn because it's dead. Ten <laughs> percent hate overgrown lawns and nine percent hate the fire ants and probably lower on the nine percent fire ants because not everybody has the fire. Well, ants and let me say this states. also on the
2: 10 yeah. percent people that hate uh, overgrown lawns. Mm -hmm. That's always the neighbors that hate your lawn that's overgrown. Overgrown,
1: right? Almost one in ten dog owners don't clean up after their dog after it goes to the bathroom in the neighbor's yard.
2: Okay, so these are people that are walking their dog. Yeah, they hate to have, and they don't own a dog at all. Yeah, but all of a sudden, their dog is the their yard is the bathroom for all dogs. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm kind of like we have there's several cities in Oregon where they have when you go in to get your dog license. They take a sample of the, of the dog's poop and they run no, put it on a DNA database. Not. Yep, and then if it's somebody picks some up, it's run against the database. They get fined. I mean, you know, what are we going to
1: do? I mean, we have to go to those extremes sometimes to to How make it. How cool happen.
0: is that, though, Jim? I'm with you. I I love the idea. Yeah, of I that. do too. You know.
2: Because people yeah, you know, know. people walking their dogs. I mean, I basically- had neighbors
0: that just let their dogs run out mm-hmm. and go do it and then you know, they'd call the dogs and they'd come back.
1: We're not know? in the country anymore I like know. it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now is do y'all think this is accurate that people spend an average of fifty five dollars a month on their lawn? I mean they're saying average or on their whole landscape. Fifty 50- Five dollars a month. Well, I
2: think you look at can be. You can look at that one way though, Veda.
0: A lot of people have loan care people taking care of their own. You, you know, got cost of gas, cost of water. I mean, you know, they're
1: seems like it would be way more. Fifty five dollars well, a month. Um, Taking care of their green space—are they just meaning lawn or the whole entire the, the landscape? The whole landscape. I fifty-five dollars a month. Yeah, I mean that's oh, just that's for maintenance. Too. Think
2: about it. That's—I mean—that's doable. Okay, Even, so we're
1: not talking about the plants. No, the, no, that's
2: just the maintenance involved.
1: The fertilizer stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, let's see, <clears> oh, the, <throat> the numbers has suffered a bit because of the impact of inflation. They're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: probably going up to like one fifty-five instead wow. yeah. of just fifty-five. It's
1: <laughs> true. That's true. Forty-five <coughs> percent of Americans enjoy gardening. Forty-two enjoy growing fruits and vegetables. Forty-one likes planting flowers. And one in three add they prefer growing herbs. So they really just uh, broke this down. But I sure didn't know dog poop had anything to do with landscaping. That's pretty But funny. now I, I tell – I mean, that makes – gosh, just think we were started working in people's yards you know, years ago. And I was surprised at – I mean, people have the dog poop
2: business
1: (laughs) where people go and clean it up. Yeah. So wow, gardening is crazy. So let's go back to something a little more less poop. You know, when we're (laughs) talking
2: now, I got it in my head. (laughs) The uh, let's talk about squash plants for a second. You know, people love to grow their own vegetables, and one of those includes squash. And so many people, they'll get the squash either seeds in the ground and, and get their plants you know, growing or they'll plant squash plants and get their plants growing. Everything's going fine until a little later on, the squash plants start to wilt and die. And it's just right at the time when you start getting little bitty squash on there. So you've done everything perfectly right. And these things are starting to mature, and you're like, man, I can't wait. Mm -hmm. I'm fixing to get me some squash, and they start collapsing. And
1: then we start watering more. Yeah, you're like, like, well, nothing's working. Well, a lot
2: of times that's just the old squash vine borer, okay? And there's a little orangey black moth that flies around that lays the egg on the little stem, and then the next thing you know, the little egg is hatching, and it burrows into the stem, and it kills the squash. If you're going to plant squash, the very first thing I would tell you to do is to get bifenfren granules. And this is called uh, the high-yield vegetable and ornamental insect granules. Uh, and you scratch those in around the plant. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't plant squash unless I actually used that product. And then keep your eyes peeled. You, know, you can use this periodically, or you can go in there and spray spinosad or some of these very safe insecticides to use from time to time on the stems and the leaves, but especially on the stems and the ground. But I'm telling you guys, look up, look up, and read about squash vine borers. Uh, it is a devastating little varmint that really can ruin your your squash gardening. I'm telling you.
1: Understanding the life cycle of insects a lot of times can help you have less. But you know, you read just vaguely. If you get squash vine borer, go to the base, cut the base of the mm-hmm. squash and pluck vine, it out. and and get that worm out but really has anybody ever done that yeah a lot and of what times if you had a feel the
2: full yeah and, and a lot of times it's just, you know it's too late by yeah. the time you realize what the problem and is that's where you, that thing's going the to die cycle. anyway but, yeah. but 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 bifenfren granules they do have a good residual that's one thing the beauty of bifenthrin is it's in the mm. pyrethroid family it's one of those synthetic pyrethroids kind of like permethrin in some of those so it has a good residual, and it's also a really, really good product for ants. Yeah, you know, that's
0: true. Well,
1: so like the squash vine borer has – go ahead, Jim.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, if you called a professional to to come out and uh, treat your yard for ants, they're going to spray something mm-hmm. or treat it with something called Tolstar, and that is bifentrin. It is. That's all it is. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's a very good product. So squash vine
2: borers, that's one that I wanted to bring up because a lot of people are starting to plant their squash now. But be aware. Later on, you can have problems with these dame borers And then another thing, and I, and I've got to mention this: one of the great products for our tomatoes. And of course, people are planting their tomatoes now also. Uh, and we got to get in, in, you know, ready for the great tomato contest coming up. And the one product that I really love, if I'm going to brag about, to go around tomatoes, and I don't mean the soil prep. You know, making sure that the pH is up where it needs to be, and making sure you know you've added your compost mm-hmm. to your tomato planting area. You know, you got to do all that. But the one product is a product called calcium nitrate, okay? It comes in a, uh, usually a four-pound bag. It's a granulated product. Uh, but calcium nitrate is, is, it is, what, 15.5% nitrogen and 19% calcium. And what the product does is helps uh, with the blossom end rot. You know, we've all seen blossom end rot on tomatoes, where the bottom of the tomato starts to turn black, and usually that can be from overwatering or a lack of calcium, but calcium nitrate really helps. That it improves the uptake of potassium, calcium, and magnesium. So I'm telling you, if you're growing tomatoes, one of the best little kept secrets, if you want to really have these healthy tomatoes without the blossom end rot, is get a bag of that calcium nitrate. It really makes a difference.
1: All right, we'll be right back after these messages. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mighty, 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 Mighty. mighty. You're listening to the Mighty 990, and you can uh, find us Mighty990.com. I was talking about knowing the stages of uh, insects can a lot of times help you not have to work so hard later to control them. And one thing, um, like tent caterpillars, you know, we'll have those. They may be coming along, but Tent caterpillars are a moth that lay their eggs on in the crotches of stems. And you can see the eggs, I mean you'd have to get close, but it, it's like a little sw- looks like a little swollen area on the crotch of the stem. And I remember seeing them, you know, climbing trees and all and, and even if you have smaller trees. but I just saying, I really don't think many people are going to do it, but just saying for other insects as well, you could go ahead and slough off those eggs and then not have the tent caterpillar problem Um, otherwise the systemic's very good to use but basically it's the tent caterpillars aren't going to kill your entire tree unless they defoliate it then it could be stressful and then I I read where people are going to spray but when you're spraying you have to tear into that web so this can make contact with it so in terms of I think a systemic would work the best otherwise just leave it alone because it's not going to kill out everything now i know that some people in other areas can have a infestation of (coughs) tent caterpillars on their fruit trees so that's you know something that you're eating and you may want to do a little more work on those to keep from getting them but you know if you can kind of learn life cycles of insects and all a lot of times you can kill off the first cycle or the second cycle and then not have an insect problem
2: well it was kind of what jim was talking about while ago with the japanese beetle grubs okay I mean, to reduce the number of Japanese beetles is to kill the grubs that are in your lawn. And like Jim was saying a while ago, if most people started doing that, you wouldn't really have a Japanese beetle problem because you're getting them before they turn into a beetle. It reminds me, I was talking to a lady uh, for the early part of the week. um, She was having a mealybug problem, okay? And we all know that mealybugs are hard to get rid of. But the thing with a lot of these insects, some of them have really fast-growing cycles, if you will. I'm talking about from egg to, to larva, yeah, from larva to adult. Mm-hmm. It happens really fast. Unlike some insects, it might take a whole year for them to reach, you know, from egg to adult. But let's say mealybugs, for example. If you're spraying to kill mealybugs on a citrus tree, for example, you know, you typically have to spray to kill the adult mealybug, but you also have to make sure that you're breaking the reproductive cycle which is also getting rid of the larva that's mm-hmm. coming behind the adults. That's why we typically say you have to spray more than one right. time. So you're mm-hmm. exactly right, Veda. Knowing the life cycle of an insect is really going to help you to control that insect because it tells you, well, first of all, you've got to know what to use, but it also tells you how often you need to mm-hmm. use the product to get rid of the problem.
1: And tent caterpillars are actually pretty. They have a nice uh-huh. blue stripe down the side. Um, they're like oval circles. Well they're
0: really quite interesting thing a, a creature, you know, cuz as they grow they enlarge the the tent. Mm. They also have layers in there so that yeah. they can move between layers to regulate their temperature. Yeah. they are quite interesting, you know. That is interesting. They'll feed 3 times a day. They'll go out just about dawn. And they come back, and they mass till mid-afternoon. Then they go out to a different area and feed, and then they'll do it again at night. So um, they're really,
2: and, and, and really the, interesting And the to webbing me, is anyway. there
0: really for more for protection <laughs> right. for them than anything else. That's right, right. You know, and, and I've never really, even with the webworms, which is the one you see in the fall. that Up in the trees in the, and hickories. The ends of the branches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to spray the the web is is tough and practical yeah mm-hmm. so the most important thing is spray the foliage around that so that it as they come out and feed mm-hmm. that's where they're going to uh, get you know I've heard trying to break it up so the birds can get in there but I ain't never seen a bird do that I haven't, I haven't either, either ever yeah. in my life you know no. it's yeah. like butterfly houses butterflies aren't gonna go in there <laughs> I, I mean, wondering. if you hang a, a hang a, a, a chrysalis in there, one might come out if a spider doesn't <laughs> eat him
2: first. Yeah. You know? What about like a bat
0: house? You to yeah. get any bats in I house? I haven't yet. And it's been up a number of years. Yeah. You know, and it's like I, I I think I told this last week. I'm seeing this ad on on Facebook. You know that pops up in the beautiful hand carved hummingbird <laughs> houses. They ain't going in there. <laughs> They don't nest inside a house, but they are cute.
1: <laughs> I had somebody asked me, oh, these are cute birdhouses, but can birds actually live in them? Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a strange question because, yeah, a bird can live in a birdhouse. And then I realized, you know, there are so many birdhouses that are created that are decorative, right. but they sell them as they're really going to work. But there's got to be some some specs going on for certain types of birds to live yeah, in Yeah, the them.
0: size of the hole has to be the perfect size, you know, mm-hmm. for bluebirds or that's rins. Right. yeah. So uh, yeah, I, know, I uh, was what like, about, uh, a
1: human could live in these birdhouses. They're so thick and pretty, and they have copper roofs on them too. You know, yeah,
2: yeah. Y'all were talking about the, you know, the tent caterpillars. Now, what about the bagworms? What can we? Is there anything we can do now, Jim, to help control bagworms that typically just eat our
0: arborvitae and other needled evergreens up? Uh, well, I'm always a, a fan of systemics, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I for. Needled evergreens, I've always liked to use acephate or orthene. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you just mix uh, and spray. Right, and and I usually get about four weeks control out of it. Now, do you normally
2: just watch, and if you start seeing bagworm activity, right. uh, at that point you pick off as many as you see, but you know you come back in and spray acephate, and you're going to knock them out. Well, I'm pretty lazy. I don't
0: pick them off. But I you just, just spray. I just spray, you know, and they're immediately going to lock up inside those. So you're not going to see any movement for a day or two. Well, well and then what, they'll come back out and try to feed yeah. and then they're they're dead. And what about uh. using a granulated
2: product around Arbivitis even now as a preventative or you just kind of watching and Well, wait and see? you know,
0: um I still have mixed feelings about using a Metacloprid. Yeah. Um, because initially when Metacloprid came out they said it doesn't do a good job on caterpillars. caterpillars. You're right. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing it more and more advertised and even through some state publications for um, tent caterpillar control, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, bagworms mm-hmm. on on arbor- on a, um needled evergreens. So um but I'm with Jim. I mean, when it first yeah. came out, they were saying, mm, "It's not going to really help you with caterpillars." We were like,
1: "How can that not?"
0: Well, because it, what it does, it's ma- mainly for hard-shelled insects. Okay, mm-hmm. it prevents that shell from expanding, and so they end up dying because yeah. they can't molt. Okay? Oh, I hate hearing okay? it. <laughs> or, you know the caterpillars just do it differently, and yeah. and it you know because it was it was touted as being safe for. Caterpillars, you know, because a lot of the caterpillars we have are desirable. Mm-hmm. You know, so, turn into butterflies, right? It's, it's, yeah, I'm still, I'm still not sure that it will do as a good, good job as, as yeah, as SFA. yeah, yeah, or another one. Ortha's got one too that's got um, starts with an A, also a or something like that um i'm still i'm still sold on acetate i think it's it just is just absolutely the best product out there uh for... yeah, it smells horrible yeah, and it's no, under the name oh of gosh. bone eye systemic insect powder. spray is there right. still
1: the powder that was the one that's still
0: the surrender is 75 percent wettable powder that a lot of people put on fire ant mounds mm-hmm. and it smells horrible also yeah. it's great though but you know i mean you put two teaspoons on that mound and really it's about seven minutes you can see them start hauling dead ants out yeah Hmm. Know, and and as, dead they, tra- dead end. as they track dead through end. it you can't s- you know they don't realize that they're being poisoned because as the, the chemist at ortho explained to me he said it emits a gas that's very similar to what a gas that's emitted from roadkill so yeah. they don't realize that they're being poisoned
2: isn't that great
0: wow. yeah
1: amazing that we study all that but it's a good thing yeah. it helps us Keep going and that's keep going.
0: That's something you need the outside shed for because you want to <laughs> store it over there. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good point. So I, I guess shed should be the very first one on your list, shouldn't <laughs> yeah, it?
2: you're going to do acidity. He
1: shed, she shed.
2: And then real quick, I know we've got a couple minutes before we have to go to a break. Uh, you know, people have been talking about their hydrangeas. Even the young lady a while ago, you know, she, she cut her hydrangeas back, the old-fashioned mop heads, and, yes, we're cutting them down to the ground because everything's coming back from the root. But just in the uh, future, you know, you can, you can change the color of a, uh, of a hydrangea bloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lime typically makes it uh, pink, and aluminum sulfate typically makes it blue. And remember, it's always easier to change the blue flowers to pink than it is to change the pink flowers to blue. Don't know why, but it just it is that way. But if you're using these products, especially aluminum sulfate, apply it now, reapply once a month for two months, And if you want to use it as a liquid, you can mix a tablespoon of that to a gallon of water and pour it. But you need to do it more than one time, is my Mm -hmm. point. And aluminum sulfate will make them blue. Lime
0: will make them pink. So you Mm. said
1: it's, go ahead.
0: get really interesting just go out there and throw aluminum sulfate on one side Mm -hmm. and lime on the other yeah
1: i love that yeah
0: you get a blend on there
1: yeah i like the blend i do love the blend because i can't make up my mind which color so blend is good
2: i just don't like them when they come out and look like no color yeah you know they're they're in
1: between which one is harder to change you said that it's it's easier to go
2: from blue to pink than it is from pink to blue.
1: Jim, why would that be? I don't have a clue. Okay. I mean, it's
0: aluminum that changes the color. That's what mm. regulates the color. Yeah. Some things Uh, just
1: happen. That's all. (laughs) No reason. They just happen.
0: When you talk about lime, it takes the same amount of lime to move uh, the pH up from five to six as it does to move it from six to seven, even though Mm -hmm. it's, you know... Uh, so, I, I don't know. That's a really Does good it question. Pro- yeah, I, I wonder if it's just
1: processed faster by the microorganisms. Well, it might maybe. be easier
2: to raise the pH than it is to lower the pH. I mean, I don't know why that would be, but that's well, what it Well, I bet you like.
1: Jim's going to find the I'm answer. Figure well,
2: he'll figure that out. But it, all, it says it's easier to change from blue flowers to pink than it is from pink to blue. But if you want to change from pink to blue, get the aluminum sulfate. Like I said, do it now. Reapply once a month for at least two months. And if you keep that up, you can change the color of those blues because a lot of people love that blue because naturally there's just not a lot of blue out there. Right.
1: Now, do y'all see how much we want to make sure we give you the right answer? Because Jim said, I don't know.
0: I don't know why. We, but we're going to figure it out. I don't know, it know why it would be a difference between, if you're using, say, sulfur mm-hmm. at the recommended rate to drop at a point. I don't see how it would be any different than using lime to raise the point. point. So um, I'm wondering if that was written by somebody who's not a gardener. Oh. Like almost everything on the Internet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all, hang on. We have more fun coming up. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Mighty 990. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening on the mighty
2: 990com Yes, you are. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can shoot us a text at the Mighty 990 Facebook page. And Charlotte from Louisiana sent another text in that says, I have an area in my side yard where I'd like to plant a willow tree. Any thoughts on these trees? Question mark. We have a lot of pine trees, so would that be compatible?
0: What's your take on that, Jim? Well, I think... um, I see no problem with it except, you know, the willow is a high water demand plant. If you're keeping it moist enough for it to be happy, your pines might suffer depending on what kind of pine they are. Mm-hmm. If they're slashed, they'll tolerate the water probably better than a loblolly, which look very similar. And the way you tell the difference is look at the packet of needles. Mm-hmm. If it's mostly twos, those are slash pines. If they're mostly threes, they're loblollies. Right. So, uh, so you're saying really the only big difference is, man, those willows really need the water. Yeah, that's that's the thing, you know. And pines are notorious about sucking the water out. So, you know, uh, I see no other reason. That, yeah. You know, as long as it's getting plenty of sunlight, yeah. because it is a full full sun plant, mm-hmm. that you couldn't plant one, you know, really close to it. And they're beautiful. Yeah. I love so, weeping So Charlotte, and I, and I love willows. I mean, I
2: mean, the weeping willows to me are, love I them mean, too. it's really a pretty plant. And it needs a good bit of room to grow. I mean, mm-hmm. they grow up and they'll weep back down and they get pretty big. Uh, a lot of times you see them by you know, low areas that actually collect a good bit of water. They love the yeah. water. So that would be the only issue, not whether they're compatible or not, because they'll look fine together, mm-hmm. but you got to have that water out there around those willows. Yeah.
1: Gosh, I love weeping willows. They're beautiful. Let's go to Dwight from Bartlett. Good morning, Dwight. You're in the Mid-South Garden.
2: Good morning. Hey, Dwight. Um, yeah, uh, you've probably had about a thousand calls about this, and I've called you before years. Anyway, grassy weeds,
0: I guess it's, I don't know, poiana, or uh, is it chickweed uh, or both of those things. <laughs>
1: yeah, all the above, any weed. Yeah. So you want to okay. get rid of them, you're saying. And, and no, what-
0: but not a- not a, not a broadleaf, okay,
2: you, right. you know. A grassy-type weed. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And Dwight, what kind of grass do you have in your lawn? Bermuda. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There, since they took MSMA, the old Anzar Drexar, off the market years ago, there's not as many grassy-type weed killers on the market. Now, some that will work, okay? Uh, okay. There's, a, there's a product called Image All-in-One. Image okay. Image all in one will kill broadleaf weeds and it will kill a lot of grassy type weeds like crabgrass. But if you're trying to kill poanna that one you just have we have a product just which is just Image, not Image all in one, but just the product called Image. Image will kill a lot of broadleaf weeds also. It will kill some grassy weeds, but it will also kill that poanna. So you got to be, you're right, very selective on what you buy, depending on the type of weed that you're trying to kill. But image will kill grassy weeds, including poanna. Yes, sir.
0: Is Okay. So uh, either image or image all in one.
2: Well, but keep in mind, the image all in one kills a lot of broadleaf weeds and a lot of grassy weeds, but it will not kill poanna, where just okay. regular image will, Dwight. Okay, I better get image then. And, and let me say, I, I don't know that it, I don't know that
0: poena. Uh, right now, I, I, it would be short and have little tiny white seeds on it. Yeah, it's got tiny white seeds on it. Yep, that's mm-hmm. that's poena. And
2: okay. if you do okay. nothing, Dwight, to Poana, it poena will typically burn out as soon right. as it gets hot. And I always tell people one of the best ways really to control Poana is to put that pre-emergent down in the fall. Wait about three months and put it down again, and you'll keep most of that Poana from ever coming up. But if you want to go ahead and try to get rid of Poana now, uh, image is the best way to go. But the only stipulation I was going to tell you, with image, you really don't want to use image on Bermuda or
0: Zoysia in what they call the transition period. And I was going to ask you, you said you were going to mow today, Kenna. What, uh, is yours out of dormancy enough? Not, but the
2: Zoysias are, Jim, I believe. The Bermudas, not yet. Okay. Uh, now, I wouldn't mind going out there and spot-treating with Image. Not a problem. But you don't want to use Image as a total spray on your lawn, Dwight, okay. in what they call the transition period, and that's when it's coming out of dormancy or when it's going into dormancy. All
1: right.
0: All right. Thank you all. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. bye
1: Thanks, Thanks for the Dwight. call, Dwight. You had some
2: cool birds oh, in the
1: background. That's what I was yeah. about to say.
2: And, and we had uh, a texter on the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page, uh, Mid South Gardening. It says, and uh, this is from Mark right here. It says, yellow billed <laughs> yeah. cuckoo, cuckoos, <laughs> cuckoo, A yellow billed cuckoo. Great calling, me Is names. the only bird that I know that will eat uh, the the hairy or the tent caterpillars.
1: Yes, yeah, one of the few. So, yes. well... But why doesn't a robin
2: eat the caterpillar? Mm, they, they don't, don't like, like them. them. <laughs> <laughs> and the cuckoos, I think y'all just looked on a map of where they typically are. Mm-hmm. Are we kind of just right yeah. outside of that? Like yeah,
1: everything l- else. Yeah,
0: it's like Fayette County and, t- and Shelby are the two where they're they are not uh, typically going to uh, live and breed here. Yeah. So Mark would appreciate that. But right, the, the, the cuckoo bird.
1: Kookadoo. Yeah, that sounds like a cuckoo bird with the dew. That's the doo. <laughs> you know, we were talking about um, uh, hearing plants make noises and talk.
2: I, I had mean, a guy tell me that the other day. Uh, he was talking about, I believe, tomatoes. Right. And he had seen the report. I think Israel had done the report or the the research, and had somewhat quote unquote proven that mm. plants communicate.
1: Well. I mean, what it is, is it's just like the uh, chemicals running through the system of the plant, through the little tubes, just like our nervous system. And it's it's making noise. And then they're using some type of software to change that movement into noise. I mean, it's like gurgling pipes. They're not talking to us, but they're telling us something's wrong with the pipes. But But they're not. Yeah. I mean, they're talking to more like each other well
0: yeah th- you know th- the report that i read and i went back and read the original report from the um, the people who were doing the test uh, it's actually an ultrasonic clicking sound yeah. it's yeah. just out of the range of most what most humans can hear but think about w- what you could do from this if you could sense when your corn crop your four thousand acres of corn Needed to be watered by the mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's that's, uh, that's just that's a game changer, right? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, d-
1: yeah. I mean, that is fantastic. Just like the introduction of drones into farmers' fields. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the drone can pick up what patches are drier uh, and just water those areas hey, or change the soil content. Farming
2: is not the mule and the plow anymore. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's GPS. It's satellite. It's mm-hmm. potentially sonic listening, you know, like Jim's talking about. I mean, it's really high tech these days, but that's why they can produce so much from such a little area Mm -hmm. more than they ever have in the past. keep the price down. Well, we hope. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, because it is. We'll become so much more efficient. And then when you're controlling that stress of the watering, too much water, not enough water, because we're listening to plants, we're using drones and all that, then you don't have to use as much insecticide or fungicide because the press prefaces of some insects and fungus mm-hmm. is the Weak, stress of the plant. plants. Yep. Yeah. So um, I think that's a great idea. What about, remember I had told you about that article I read of the farmers tractors where, okay, weeds grow above the, uh, the crop weeds are taller. So the, the booms, you know, are usually the, are sponge, the sponge booms or yeah. the spray booms? Yeah, the spray booms are like mm-hmm. extended out, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, spray and kill the weeds. Well, now they're electric charging them. So, like when the uh, boom goes across the weeds that are taller than the crop, it zaps the weeds and just kills the entire weed. Well, so and that's kind of like, that,
2: you know, I people know. using a sponge mop with Roundup, mm-hmm. you know, because the weed in this, you know, the case, the weed is taller than the desirable plant. And they're just rubbing this Roundup uh-huh. on the weed and never like touches the desirable, right? So and, it you here know, was it, it
0: root and all. It was important in farming too because if you read the label, you know, Roundup won't kill Johnson grass. It's like twelve inches tall, mm. but when it gets to twenty four inches, it will because you've got enough tissue then to get enough chemical on it. It's crazy. To kill yeah. It. yeah. Otherwise, it's going to outgrow the effect of it. So you know, setting that mm. boom at the right height to where when that grass comes over. And over your crop, you know, it's uh, it that's critical in in taking out that the uh, the competitive weeds in there. So. I
1: mean, you know, a farmer's tractor now tractor can look like a whole computer office oh, with yeah. all this stuff on the screens uh-huh. and all.
0: With GPS, they don't even have to steer. Yeah,
1: why are they even there?
0: They're listening to music and riding the air air is gonna, yeah.
2: Exactly, I was going to say, and they air
0: conditioning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you know, it's good for people to be in the quiet and think. Yeah. And and farmers don't get to be in the quiet and think anymore because there's so much technology inside the cab.
2: Well, the beauty of it is they get inside that tractor cab now. These really nice ones, they don't have to think. So that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, but you want to think. You can think good things.
0: There's other things you can think about.
1: That's true, but don't think about those.
2: And when we get back, guys, and we're please think don't about, think
0: about changing channels. <laughs>
1: that's right, Jim. <laughs> these people are
0: nuts.
2: We're gonna think about uh, the shrub of the week uh, coming up after this break.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to Mid South Garden. You're listening to KWAM, the Mighty dot com, which you can download the app, stream us online. You got there's a link there to the podcast. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, I had a young lady in the Garden Center just this week saying that she loves to go back and listen to the podcast, Beta,
1: And then go to the <laughs> Facebook page that Jim's the administrator creator of, which
2: is Mid South Gardening Zone, what, six, seven, eight, nine? Yeah. Did I get that right? Wait, did we add extra no nine. No, no, no nine. Yeah.
1: But, no nine. I mean we get some
2: nine questions. Um, and
1: some nine listers. Yeah.
2: So it is a neat Facebook page, Jim. I'm telling you. And there's a lot of information and I love you always like to talk about the file page that you can go
0: to. That's right. We've got lots of good stuff in the files. I mean, there's one on controlling nutgrass. Uh there's a file on uh, plants for wet or moist areas mm-hmm. there's one for fall color one for um, planting for hummingbirds
2: oh it's great uh, i'm just telling you
0: poisonous plants so lots of cool stuff in there lots on lots on fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. on what you need for pollinators or don't and varieties that produce well in the mid-south um so it's, it's lots of good information lots of good information great information All right, guys,
2: the shrub of the week this week is Edgeworthia, okay? And the common name, as we all know, is Paperbush. and and Jim, I know y'all love this shrub also, but it is a shrub that you typically put in a partly shady environment, gets four to six foot tall, about four to six foot wide, and it blooms late winter to early spring, uh, has fragrant, I'm telling you, wonderful fragrant silky white and yellow flowers, uh, and it's widely grown in Japan to actually make paper, hence the word, the name paper bush. But this is a really unique shrub, uh, extremely hardy shrub, beautiful foliage, even when it's not blooming. It Very is a
0: tropical looking great, in your garden.
2: You're right, Jim. But when I'm telling you, when those things drop their leaves in the winter, and when they start blooming late winter, early spring without any foliage or anything on it, all you see are just those blooms on there you will understand what I'm talking about. And I mean, it is to me, you know, and I dare say this, but it's one of the prettiest blooming deciduous shrubs you can ever get your hands on. And if you want a beautiful blooming deciduous shrub, and it kind of blooms at an odd time, you know, it then not bloom when a lot of the other things are blooming, which I love about it also. But the fragrance, it reminds me, you know, I always talk about the fragrance of these sweet olives that we, you know, had so much uh, damage on this past winter. But the, to me, nothing will mimic the fragrance of a sweet olive, uh, and it reminds me of the fragrance of honeysuckle we were talking about in the first hour. Well, Edgeworthia is another one of those shrubs, guys. I'm telling you, there. If you've never had one, you you need one. If you don't uh before you even buy one you can go read about them uh do your research but i'm telling you guys it is it, to me it's the shrub of the week because it is mm-hmm. a beautiful beautiful shrub
1: i love it it I, is i agree totally you got to have at least one of them
2: at least one i mean you can put it in the hosta bed or mm-hmm. you know the high shade filtered sun they can take morning sun you just want to protect them from the hottest part of the afternoon sun uh of course well-drained soil like everything mm-hmm. else we talk about but man, I'm telling you guys, it, it when they're in bloom, there's there's really nothing like it. I love that plant.
1: Man, there's lots of things to plant for shade: Solomon's seal, um, and Solomon's seal, Hooker, hosta, astilbe. Yeah, foam flower, ginger.
2: Yeah, a lot of the ground. Covers, I'm like, oh, there's
1: a lot. Now mm-hmm. I'm going. Uh, can't list any of the flocks that blue phlox. Some of the really some
2: of the epimediums out there. Oh, mm-hmm. gotta
1: get some epimediums. They're so pretty. Their their foliage almost looks like little hearts on some of them.
2: You know, to me, I've always said that there's a million things you can plant in a more sunny environment. Mostly everything out there loves the sun. Mm -hmm. Anywhere from, you know, half a day sun. Because half a day sun, to me, is the same as basically full sun. If you get half a day sun, you can grow a sunny, loving plant.
1: You know what kind of sun that I hate when you've got a shade area? Shade in the morning, shade Uh in the afternoon, but full sun straight up. And that's the worst sun, like 11 to 2.
2: That, <laughs> yeah. It seems to be really sunny. You're so right, Veda. And what I was going to say is, you know, you got to be very particular and more specific would, when you're growing in the shade.
1: Well, would you call, okay, so would you call that area a sun area I or would, a shade area? I'd call it a sunny
0: You'd area. If, if it's four hours of sun, I would call it partial sun. But if you're yeah, getting
2: sun yeah. from 10 to 2, and that's know, almost full sun then. Yeah,
0: or 11 to 3, you know, right. th- th- that's that's hot sun. It <laughs> is hot sun, but you may not be getting enough light on it to stimulate it to bloom. Uh, yeah. I have a yeah. uh, um, mock orange, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. love them, planted mm-hmm. on the west side of my house. So it only gets sun from one or so until mm-hmm. sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has not bloomed yet. And I've had it there four years.
2: See, I think that would be plenty en- enough. You
0: would think so, yeah. but it's not getting enough sun to generate flowers. Now, have That's you so cut the neighbor's tree down, Jim,
2: to create more <laughs> light no, there wasn't one. It's <laughs> you know, just so. bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there, I
1: thought of that um, because when we moved the garden center from the east side of Cox over to the west side of Cox, um, mm-hmm. this one section where I'm like, this may continue to be shade. I'm not really sure how far that sun moves over at the time. Mm. But now so I've got the shade plants in there. But guess what? You get it more does sun right in the middle of the day. Yeah. So in these little bitty pots that are kind of shade plants, they really can't take up enough moisture to make it through those couple hours. So that's not <laughs> a shade spot really.
2: Well, I mean, and I do love shade gardening. A lot of people Mm -hmm. think, oh, my Lord, I have no sun. What can I do? There are some beautiful plants and even perennials that you're talking about, Veda, that you can definitely put in Mm -hmm. a a shaded environment. And there's there's something to be said to me about growing things in the shade. I mean, I really like those shade environments. Now, I love full sun, too, or more Mm -hmm. sunny areas also because you have a lot more stuff you can choose from. But don't shy away from thinking that you can't plant things in shaded environments there are many things out there you can plant
1: you have to get color and textures um not textures you got to get color in different shapes foliages yeah foliage colors (laughs) yeah like the um coleus now there's sun coleus too would the sun coleus kind of fade out in the shade you You know i think yeah you're not gonna get that intense color
2: But, but, for example, let's say if you put a, you know, a hosta, for example, and there's one called summon substance that gets a big leaf on it, and it gets to be a fairly large hosta. But you can plant, and, and, you know, that's going to be your big-leafed, flat-leafed hosta. You can plant other things around it, like epimediums and gingers and those kind of things that have completely different-looking leaves
0: and have a great-looking shaded garden.
2: Oh, I forgot about the turtle
1: head.
0: Oh, yeah, Keluni, that's a great yeah. plant. Yeah. Blooms so late, too, and yeah. a lot of stuff's not blooming.
1: Yeah, that's right, the turtle head. The blackberry lilies, mm-hmm. they got to have some. dappled sun is good for those. I love the blackberry lily. What else is fun? Joe Pie weed, now there's shorter ones. But I remember Joe Pie weed out in the country, real tall, and just, you know, growing in the pasture the and old the old-fashioned Joe woods. Pie weed gets tall, yeah. yes. But now it's a good one, a short good one for shade. And, of course, there's your begonias and and your impatiens. Well, but
2: also one that you didn't mention are all all a lot of different types of ferns. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that really, if you want that soft look, kind of sprinkle those ferns in there. Or you can have what Mr. Paul used to say, these vignettes. Yeah. Was it? Of, of, of ferns. Uh, you know, these
0: little beds of just nothing but fern growing. They look, look great. Yeah. And, and we have a fern file that tells you, um, and it's hardy ferns for this area. and also tells you which ones are evergreen. So,
1: yeah. Because there are evergreen ferns, y'all.
2: Yep. <laughs> and then there's annual ferns like your machos and your Kimberlies that can mm-hmm. take a lot of sun that yeah. you can put in a container today if you want yeah. and push it out there in the sun and it'll do just fine
1: and again if you've got kimberleys in the shade and you've got kimberleys in the sun you're going to need to water those kimberleys twice as much as you're going to need to water them in the shade if they're in containers so remember that that's what i'm finding out is a lot of people are or compare their same plant different areas but they're still trying to water it like it's in the same area and
2: then real quick we did have the young lady call this morning about the african violet cell uh, 531 McLean Avenue, which is at the Central Christian Church. And that was going on from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. So if you're looking for some, probably some very beautiful, maybe unique looking African violets.
1: And all the plant sales are going on. Lichterman, Dixon,
2: and Botanic, Botanic Gardens, Gardens. And of course, Palladios and Dan West. We're yep. always open for business, Miss Love Ada. to
1: see you there. All right, y'all. We've had a great time. We will see you next weekend in the Mid South Garden.